Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday morning as we are set for Super Bowl 55 in two weeks. Andy Reid. Going to another Super Bowl, and I hope all the Andy haters out there are squirming. All the people are, you know, he never ran the ball for all those years. He never ran the ball. Well, Andy's going back to another Super Bowl. And you know what? I think he's going to win another one. He's going to go back-to-back. And who knows? I mean, with Patrick Mahomes, with the weapons he has offensively, who knows? How many Andy could wrap up or could rack up here before he's all he's all done? I mean, he could catch Belichick for all we know. Uh, this could go on forever, and I hope the Andy haters out there are squirming. And go ahead, root for Brady in a couple weeks, and you can. I, I mean, this is fine for me as a closet Brady fan. I'm I I like Brady. I like Andy. I think this is going to be a good matchup. I I, I think the Chiefs are are going to. Roll them. I think the lines only opened at like three and a half, which if that's the case, I'm absolutely hammering the Chiefs on that. Um, but uh, Andy Reid does it again. He's going back to the Super Bowl, so we will get to that. Um, we'll get to, you know, what happened mainly in both these games. We'll, we'll break it all down. But not surprising uh, that the two teams that played conservative, the two coaches that coached like cowards lost. And that's what's going to happen in these big games. Um, it happens every year. It happens every step of the way. And, you know, for all the people who are always going, run the ball, take the points. They're the two uh, phrases that you hear like the old school football people use. Well, you see what happens when you get conservative, you take the points, you lose. That's what happens. Uh, Bruce Arians, right before half, taking a deep shot to the end zone. That was the biggest play in that game. That was what turned that game in Tampa's favor, uh, they take an 11-point lead into halftime, much different than a four-point lead. Um, in the second game, I like Sean McDermott. Uh, he has done a great job in Buffalo. This is going to be a tough, tough pill to swallow for him as he looks back at this game and realizes that he choked. I mean, Sean McDermott choked. He coached a horrible game made about every incorrect decision that you could have made. You're not beating that team by kicking field goals. We saw that last year with the Houston Texans when they blew 
a, a 24-point lead in Kansas City. And um, it was not surprising that the two teams who played aggressive, the two teams uh, that kept the foot on the gas, the two teams that threw the football were the teams uh, that won the games. And ultimately, it is Tampa Bay and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in two weeks in Super Bowl 55. So we will get to that later on. We'll get to um, some NFL news that will affect the Eagles uh, in terms of somebody who's been working in their front office that we've talked about over the last couple weeks uh, that will not be in their front office next year. In John Dorsey, he departs to take a job in Detroit. Uh, Detroit also making their quarterback available. Um, So we'll get to that as that could influence... Uh, the trade market here, um, if the Eagles decide to to move a quarterback, even though I, I don't think that is their intention at this point, and we'll get to that later on, um, uh, and Mike Garofalo's reporting that as of now, as of now, Carson Wentz is yet to request a trade. So let's just, you know, uh, keep our, uh, you know, uh, keep our ears open and let's just, let, let's just hope that Carson doesn't request a trade now. I mean, I don't know why he would. He got what he wanted, right? Like, he wanted Doug Peterson fired. Doug got fired. So, why would he want to trade unless he's just a liar? Or unless he's scared to come back in this city? I I don't understand why Carson would want to trade at this point. Um, You know, based on the reporting being that, you know, it was all a problem with him and Doug. So, we'll get to that later on. And my theory behind what Carson Wentz really believes and what his real intention was. Uh, We'll get to that later on. Uh, We also got to play you. uh, and We have a a number of great sound clips tonight. Um, What's your favorite clip that we have queued up for tonight, Mike? Uh, I'm guessing it is the Jeffrey Lurie call to Nick Sirianni to to hire him. No, no, no. No? Stephen A.? No, it's going to be one that uh, will be played for a third time here on WIP. A third time, maybe out of the three forty segment. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, an old, an old, an oldie buddy goodie. Yes. Okay. So we have plenty of of things that we need to get to throughout the course of the show. And if you want to get in on any of uh, our topics tonight, two one five five nine two nine four nine four open lines to begin the show. But. Obviously, the big news of this week in this city was the Eagles hiring of Nick Sirianni as their new head football coach. Um, Assuming we will hear from him at some point this week, a little curious what took so long for the Eagles to announce the hiring. And uh, now we don't know when the presser is going to be. I mean, I guess for my purposes, I'm hoping the press conference is on Wednesday, but we'll see throughout the course of the week, when Nick Sirianni uh, decides, or when the Eagles decide, is right for him to meet the assembled media. And I'm interested to hear what he has to say in regards to a, a lot of things with this team. Um, his plans for the team moving forward in the short term and long term. Uh, his coaching staff, in which he has made some hires to begin with, Jonathan um, Gannon. Uh, from Indianapolis was the defensive backs coach. That's your new defensive coordinator. So uh, we'll learn a little more about him. The Eagles hired a defensive line coach. Eagles retaining Jeff Stoutland, which I think that is a positive development, that you keep him on staff 
good offensive line coach. He can continue to work with Jordan Mulata, Andre Dillard, some of those other guys on uh, the offensive line. Um, but uh, a number of things where I want to hear what Nick Sirianni has to say. And, uh, you know, as but as much as we talk about Sirianni and his role as the head coach, which is clearly a critically important one, but, but what we know and what has been confirmed by the hiring of Nick Sirianni here, being that he is a Frank Reich disciple and the guy that the Eagles believe can fix the quarterback, the most important and powerful figure in this organization is Carson Wentz. And that's clear now more than ever. And as I have discussed many times, everything the Eagles do is centered around Carson Wentz. Their draft picks over the last couple of years to improve the offense. You know, Dallas Goddard, Andre Dillard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, uh, Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager. You know, these guys are all drafted with Carson Wentz in mind. Now, you can argue that the execution isn't always great, but the Eagles tried to draft skill position players to help Carson Wentz. The firing of Mike Groh, the overhauling of the coaching staff last offseason, and ultimately this offseason, the firing of Doug Peterson, and now the hiring of Nick Sirianni, who is Frank Reich's chief lieutenant, Everything in this organization is done with Carson in mind. And, you know, I talked a lot last night about the Sirianni hire and whether you believe it was about Carson Wentz, which is kind of a ridiculous question to even ask, even though some would call it a hot take. Mike, would you think that is a hot take that uh, Nick Sirianni was hired uh, for Carson Wentz? Like, I don't think that's a hot take. I I, I think that's basically just fact at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say too, um, whether it's fact or not, it's it's certainly a consensus, right? Like it's, like it's not a hot take. Like there's enough evidence there where it's not just like I'm throwing something out um, out of nowhere. Like a hot take is is like a controversial thing that you just say to get reaction. Like I don't think anybody that would call that a hot take really knows what a hot take is. Not a takesman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't really be that hot if you're among, like, 80% of the pool. Right. When everybody <laughs> believes something to be true, I don't think that's a hot take. So, I'm not even going to get... And, and if you want to disagree with me on it, uh, you're welcome to. But I don't even know how you can argue at this point the Nick Sirianni hire isn't directly related to Carson Wentz and wasn't done for Carson Wentz. It, it absolutely was. And, you know... Everything the Eagles do is with Carson in mind. The execution isn't always great, but it's inarguable at this point that Carson Wentz is at all times the priority in the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And my question to start the show tonight is, is he worth it? Seriously. Like, is he worth it? Because to me, what the Eagles are doing right now, pretty much placing all their chips... On the Carson Wentz, uh, in the Carson Wentz camp here. They're gambling on Carson Wentz in a monster way. And based on what we just saw, I don't know how you can feel 
comfortable with making that kind of bet, with making that kind of gamble. It's one thing to give him the contract. We all agreed at the time that that was a good move. You know, at that point, Carson Wentz is a year removed from his 2017 season that people still want to talk about like it's yesterday now. It's not. But at that point, he was a year removed from that. 2018, pretty average season, but you kind of write it off. And you say, okay, well, we're going to throw that out. We we believe he's still the player he was pre-knee, pre-back. We're going to get out in front of this thing and give him the contract. And at the time, we all thought it was a good move, myself included. I thought it was smart to get out in front of this, give Carson the contract, and not have to pay him more the following year. And not find yourself in the same situation the Dallas Cowboys found themselves in with Dak Prescott, where Dak had all the leverage. But two years later, we have so much more information at this point. An average 2019 season to follow up that average 2018 season that included a decent final month, a good final month against bad teams that got in the playoffs. And a 2020 season as terrible as anybody could have possibly imagined. Yet the Eagles continue, despite having all this evidence, despite having all of these of, of these things to consider at their disposal, they still do everything with Carson Wentz as the top priority. And I don't understand how they see him as worth all of this. When you have so many other things that you need to worry about. As a player on the field whose skills have diminished. That's clear. As a player who is not considered a leader in the locker room. And that's not me saying that. I mean, just look at all the reports. His teammates don't view him as a leader. His teammates don't view him as a guy that they can get behind universally. And they can all believe in. This has been not just unique to this season, this has been really over the course of his entire career since 2017, the fact that there are a lot of guys in that locker room don't like him very much. And I'm not expecting every player in a locker room to get along, but when you're the quarterback and players on your team consistently talk about how they don't like you, I think that is a problem. And as we look at the games this weekend, and see the importance of quarterback play. Is it worth it to continue to do everything under the prism of what is best for Carson? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. I say no, obviously. I mean, you probably knew that, considering you've probably listened to me in the past, and you know where I stand on Carson Wentz. As much as some people want to believe it, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even Josh Allen. He's not. Josh Allen had a better season in 2020 than Carson Wentz had in 2017. For uh, As much as we want to look back at that season, Josh Allen's 2020 year was better than Carson's year in 2017. It was. And those guys, despite having so much more experience having accomplished 10 times more than Carson Wentz has, with the exception of Allen, those guys don't have anywhere near the say in their organizations that Carson Wentz has. 
The Packers and Patriots, both at different times, have drafted the heir apparent, have drafted the guy that's going to replace the Rodgers, replace the Brady. Rodgers and Brady weren't consulted about those decisions ahead of time. You know, so for as much as we made about how could the Eagles do this to Carson drafting Jalen Hurts, Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo six years ago, and Tom Brady played there another five years. The Packers drafted Jordan Love last year, and Aaron Rodgers went on to have an MVP season. This is not a unique situation for organizations not to put their quarterback above all else. Yet the Eagles constantly do. Those other organizations always put the team first. Even New England, with how much Brady has done, and I think it's clear at this point that Brady was the one that made that thing go more than anybody else. When you see his success there and you see him go down to Tampa and take a team that was 7-9 and nine last year with essentially the same roster, the same coaching staff, and take them to a Super Bowl. So I think at this point, you gotta you gotta realize that most organizations don't do it this way. Even the ones with legitimate franchise quarterbacks, even the ones with franchise quarterbacks that have not just talked about proving it, have not just talked about being potentially great, have actually been great. Aaron Rodgers been in Green Bay for 15 years. They didn't consult him last year before they made a draft pick. Tom Brady, at the time they took Jimmy Garoppolo, had been there 15 years, had won three Super Bowls, had been to five. They didn't ask Tom, Tom is it okay if we do, if, is it okay if we, if, we, if we pick Jimmy G here? They don't do that. Tom's now been to five Super Bowls since that draft pick. It, it, this guy this guy's amazing. I saw a great um, uh, meme of um, uh, Conor McGregor because he got knocked out Saturday night, and it's him on the mat of the oct- octagon. And the mean and says time after its battle with Tom Brady, because Tom just knock. Tom is still winning the battle versus time here, and if he wins another Super Bowl, it's just. I mean, I, I already think he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen. Seven's incredible. If he, he gets seven, that's, he's a beast. He's yeah. just a monster. It's insane. But you know, those other organizations they don't put the quarterback first. The Eagles are the only organization I've ever seen to take it to this kind of level where it's, what's best for Carson? What can we do for Carson? And it goes back to the whole thing of what's been created within the organization and what Jeff McClain wrote in his piece a couple weeks ago, or last week, that Carson Wentz views the people around him as they work for him. They don't work with him. That every coach, everybody on the roster, everybody in the front office works for Carson Wentz. Why is this guy worth it, is the question. Because the Eagles made their choice to hitch their wagon to him. And I want to know, is it a good decision or one they will live to regret? I think it's one they'll live to regret. If the Eagles were smart, they would cut bait right now. They're obviously not going to. It's why they hired Nick Sirianni, is to fix Carson. So they've made their bet. Um, They've made their bed. And... It's, in my mind, a bad one. But why do the Eagles treat Carson Wentz? Why do they put him above the team when no other organization handles it this way? Not the Packers with Rodgers, not the Patriots with Brady. Nobody handles it 
nobody treats the quarterback as a king to this sort of extent, except the Eagles. And Carson Wentz hasn't accomplished a fraction of what any of those other quarterbacks have accomplished. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Is Carson Wentz worth it? Are Is the Eagles doing everything they can to repair him, to salvage him, to build around him? Is it worth it for a player that basically has a good, one good 13-game sample size over the course of five years, and the rest has been pretty average? Is Carson Wentz worth it or not? I obviously say no. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started on the phones with Jack in the media. What's up, Jack? Yeah, how you doing? Not bad. What's going on? You act like uh, he's Max Stafford or Carson Palmer who hung around for 100 years. Matt and Stafford? I mean, I, I wish he was Matt Stafford. I mean, really? I never won a thing. Yeah, what, what is Carson Wentz won, Jack? Well, see that in 2019 he was dragging the team on his back by himself oh, yeah. before he got yeah. crushed by Clowney. Yeah, but, but what about what about the you don't think the coach you don't think the coach had anything to do with that? I think the coach sabotaged it. Okay, so 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 this is so Carson gets all the credit for the good stuff in 2019, but gets none of the blame for the stuff that happened in 2020. Correct? That's no, the way you I do it. They didn't get any of the blame. But you just said the coach sabot. Jack, you just said the coach sabotaged him. He didn't run the same place you ran for the, the idiot that he put in there that you're judging on four games. Why is he? Why is he an idiot, Jack? Uh, that well, I'm curious what you mean by that. Why is well, Jalen Hurts? I don't an know idiot? his name, so I'll call him that. Four yeah. games he played, and I didn't like the last one at all. Well, Jack, did you read he the story? It up. Jack, did you read the story about um, Carson changing the plays because he didn't like them? Did you Did you read that story? Yeah, uh, uh, the way he was getting pummeled, the, 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 the draft takes of Dillard, yeah. Dillard who can't get on the field. Dillard was hurt. Wh- whatever, whatever happened to Ertz, who who can't get, couldn't seem to get on the field. He had no targets. Oh uh, yeah, and, then, and yet they set him down like a duck back there to oh. get killed. Jack, no what what problem. what about the fact that the eagle that um he no was, RPMs yeah RP uh, yeah those RPMs that's something you, you need to do you got to get the uh, mileage up there but Jack R- uh, R- RPOs yeah no no I got you I got you Jack but but did you know that Carson was responsible for two thirds of those sacks did you did you know that all I know is what I saw and he deserves another year or two okay because you could put the other kid on the bench for a year or two of course you're nothing and to to put him on the bench for what. Put him on the bench for another year. Let him watch. It's not going to hurt. You're not, I, I, him. You're not paying him anything. Yeah, but well, why do you Carson, want Car- why do you want Carson Wentz out there? Guy stinks. Uh, okay, we're just going to be stinks. Uh, you never saw anything good out of Carson. Uh, not in last year. I, I didn't. I appreciate the call, Jack. Thanks. Well, how close were we to Carson Wentz excuse bingo there, Mike? Uh, we got. Sitting duck, no offensive line, no weapons. Coach sabotaged him. We were pretty close to the Carson Wentz bingo there in one call. Jack was hitting it. Idiot over his shoulder. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was rude to do to Jalen Hurts. I don't know what that was about, but the, the coach literally won a Super Bowl without him. Yeah, but that's my favorite. Is he drug these guys? He drug a bunch of practice squad guys in 2019, uh, and then 2020. It's all the coach's fault. Like. And and I love that too. Like Mike Rowe and Doug Peterson get no credit for 
December of 2019. It, maybe they were scheming guys open. What about that? Uh, the, maybe the play calling was good. Like, uh, you know, and it's just, and I'm not saying Carson gets no credit for it, but you can't give him all the credit for that and none of the blame for 2020. You just can't have it both ways. Can't have your cake and eat it too, I believe, is the uh, the right phrase to use there. So eat, eat your cake and have it too. Yeah, exactly. So if anybody wants to call in, try to hit Carson Wentz bingo of excuses. Jack almost hit it right there. Jack had uh, three in one call. Uh, n- nice job, Jack. And he lost Filippo. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. He, he lost, he lost flip. No, I mean, no Frank Reich anymore. We got Nick Sirianni. Great. Uh, two, one, five, five, nine, two, nine, four, nine, four. But is Carson Wentz worth it? Is he worth bending over backwards for to the degree the Eagles are? That's the question I have to start the show tonight. Steve, Danny, see you both there. We'll get both of you after the break. I'm Tom Kelly in for big daddy Graham on a Monday morning. If you want to call in too and congratulate, the great Andy Reid, you're welcome to. Does this mean we're having another Andy Reid Appreciation Day? I think it does. I, I'm not sure. We'll have to get a company email um, later this week, but hopefully that's exactly what this means. So uh, we will also honor Andy tonight. If you want to call in, congratulate Big Red. You're always welcome to do that on this show. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. Got some open lines right now if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, But simple question to start the show. As the Eagles hire Nick Sirianni, which, I mean, if you want to argue that this isn't about Carson Wentz, go ahead. Um, It pretty clearly is only about Carson Wentz. Uh, That's the only reason this guy was hired here. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad coach. I don't know much about Nick Sirianni. I I hope he's a good head coach. I do. I'm an Eagles fan. I want the Eagles to win. I don't really care who the head coach is. I don't care who the quarterback is. Um, I'm not going to root against them because Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Um, I I want the team to win. Um, And, you know, that's all I really care about. And I hope Nick Sirianni is a good coach. But, you know, I, I... the, the way the Eagles went about this was was flawed. And the way they went about it was they were going to hire Nick Sirianni because he was best for Carson Wentz, not because he was necessarily best for the team. And I don't even think you can argue against that. And my question is, is it worth it? Like, why is Carson Wentz worth all of this trouble? Why is he worth firing a coach for firing an offensive coordinator for in the past, doing all these things, tiptoeing around, doing everything with Carson. What is best for Carson? And that is always, every decision the Eagles make, every single one, it's always the first factor that goes into it, is, is this good for Carson? Is this something that will benefit Carson? They think about that, and they prioritize that above what's best for the team. And my question is, is he worth it? Is he worth all this trouble? I just don't see it. I don't see Carson Wentz being worth all of this, to go out of your way, to do everything to appease him when other organizations don't do it. You know, Packers don't do it for Rodgers. Patriots didn't do it for Brady. None of these other organizations do these kind of things. Except the Eagles, who are so intoxicated by Carson Wentz that they will do everything to appease him. And Jeff tweets at me and says, well, Tom Brady looked bad last year. You know, look at what he did this year. Uh, Don't compare Tom Brady to Carson Wentz. Just don't. Like, never again. I don't want to hear anybody compare Tom Brady to Carson Wentz, okay? Tom Brady went 12-4 and last year. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Even a a a Tom Brady bad year is 12-4 and and a playoff loss. Like, this guy is just... It's a, it's just incredible. It really is incredible. Um, but what uh, is Carson Wentz worth all of this? Um, the Eagles going out of their way to appease him is the question I have. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Stephen Conchahawken. What's up, Steve? Tom. Yo, what's up, Steve? How you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Um... Was it you or Ricky who used the word cowardice in describing the decisions made by Green Bay Packers head coach today? It was it was it was me. Yeah, it was me. Okay, uh, see, cowardice in the heat of the moment. Maybe it wasn't cowardice. Maybe it was just a stupid decision. Whereas what the Eagles are doing relative to Wentz, and what the Sixers are doing relative to Simmons is cowardice. Do you believe the reports that Wentz's teammates don't like him, 
that he's um, not uh, going with the, the plays and that uh, he's not taking coaching. Do you believe those those reports? Yeah, of course I believe him. I, I mean, I just okay. based on the reporters who have reported it, Jeff McLean is a very reputable guy, and yeah, I don't think he would report anything that's not true. Okay, and remember, he's not talking about Aaron Rodgers or Joe Montana or Roger Staubach. He's talking about Carson Wentz, who hasn't done much of anything. The Eagles are cowards for not saying, if you don't take the coaching, look, should a, should a quarterback be able to audible periodically? Of course, that's what you want. But that's apparently not what's happening. And he, the fact he won't take coaching, the Eagles are basically say, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to sit. Same thing with Ben Simmons. If you're not going to see a couple uh, three-pointers every game to keep the defense honest, you're not going to play. But the teams don't have the balls to do that. Well, this is the difference, though, Steve. I mean, Carson Wentz was actively hurting the team. Ben Simmons doesn't actively hurt the team. Like, Ben Simmons has a weakness in his game, certainly. But the Sixers are a better team when Ben Simmons is on the floor. I mean, I I get if you're frustrated with him, but I, I don't see that as a apples-to-apples comparison. It's okay. So it's uh, oranges to tangerines. Uh, I mean, I think it's a little more... Um, you know, oranges to, to onions. I don't think it's a very similar situation. Well, it's red onions to white onions. <laughs> the white onions, I guess. I didn't think that through. I was just trying to come up with something that wasn't a fruit. There you go. So, well, okay, so, yeah. so, but we both agree relative to Carson that, you know, he hasn't done anything to deserve any kind of consideration to the degree that they're doing it. And the fact they've got her to may or may not be any good, um... They should basically say, look, either you play by the rules or you're done. Yeah, I mean, I I agree, Steve. I appreciate the call. But they're not going to do that. Like, if you're Carson Wentz right now, I I mentioned this last night. If you're Carson Wentz right now, he's got to be thinking, like, you know, Carson Wentz is, you know, almost like George Costanza right now at the Yankees. We're like, what can't he do? Like, if he is trying to get out of town, like, he just got the coach fired. He, you know, skipped his exit interview, has been completely unprofessional since the end of the season and since he was benched really all season long. When you talk about a guy sabotaging plays at the line of scrimmage, just running different plays for God knows what reason, he's got to be looking at this right now as if he's more empowered than ever. Like, what can't Carson do at this point? Like, what... What does he have to do for there actually to be some sort of consequences for his actions? There's nothing he could do. The Eagle, he has undermined coaches. He has alienated teammates. He has played like the worst quarterback in the NFL. And how did the Eagles treat him after that? They ended up firing the coach he didn't like, bringing in the assistant to the only coach that he seems to have ever gotten along with, and they're doing everything this offseason to appease him. So, yeah, I don't see that happening. I agree. There should be consequences, you know, just like if it's a child, and a, a child misbehaves, and, you know, you got to punish them or put them in a corner or whatever you do. Uh, I guess i got to learn this stuff. I'm having a kid in like a month now, but... There are no consequences for Carson Wentz. He just has free reign. And 
after this season with how poorly he played and based on the reporting, how poorly he's acted, the fact that he just gets rewarded, I don't see any of this stuff changing uh, moving forward. Uh, let's go to Danny in North Philly. What's up, Danny? Hey, how are you? Not um, bad. I'm calling to make a Deshaun Watson uh, point, but uh, okay. you got me all fired up about Carson, so I got to make a point about both. Uh, I think about Watson is like you're like you're sitting here saying how Carson Wentz is a bad teammate. Now you like report. How come no one's openly coming out and saying Deshaun Watson's a bad teammate? He's basically holding that franchise hostage after he just signed a hundred million dollar deal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different situation. First of all, because Deshaun Watson has actually played well, and second of all, apparently from what you hear, that organization is just such a disaster right now that um, you don't hear any teammates really coming out and talking bad about Deshaun Watson. I think he's well-liked there, and, and based on the reporting in that situation, people actually understand it because of how poorly run uh, things are down in Houston. No, I understand that, but I don't know who he thinks he is. You're not the owner, you're not the GM, and you're not the coach. You don't get to have your hand in all of the decisions that are above your pay grade. But, uh, back to the, uh, well, I mean, apparently you do if you're Carson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what I think with Carson, what you said about Josh Allen, that's completely false. He, his season was not, outside of the completions percentage, his season was not that much better than Carson Wentz's that year. I mean, Carson missed three games. Their touchdowns and yards are basically would have been the same if he would have played them three games. I think he had three less touchdowns than Wentz. Well, I mean, it could have been. You're extrapolating. Well, we don't know that. Less, he I had mean... three less touchdowns and three less games than Allen had. And Allen went two games this year without throwing any touchdowns. Okay, so they yeah. had they had pretty much e- equal seasons. Yeah, yeah, fine. Well, my thing is this, real quick. You go, you go with Carson 100% of the time over Doug Peterson. You look. I look at this way. I look at Andy Reid. If Andy Reid wasn't in Kansas City prior to Mahomes, if he was in a major market, he probably would have been fired after the back-to-back collapses in the in the playoffs. What saved his job was Patrick Mahomes. So I'm okay with going away from Doug. You know, because I mean, I just look at what Carson did last year, and maybe listen. Aaron Rodgers got Mike McCarthy fired. I know Aaron, Aaron Rodgers does all this stuff in the regular season, but he don't do nothing in the postseason. Oh, so I mean, Dan, 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 Danny, that's that, that's just not false. If you look back at the history of the Packers, the reason they don't win in the playoffs is not because of Aaron Rodgers. Granted, he didn't play his best game on Sunday. I'm not going to disagree with you there. But um, Aaron Rodgers, you look at 2016, that game they beat Dallas was basically all Aaron Rodgers. They have had subpar defenses for years in Green Bay. No, and I agree in the, the loss of Seattle with that, cra- that guy catching right. that onside kick. That, yeah, I agree with that. I just look at this way. I'm a big Carson guy. I think he's talented. I think he's got maybe he needs a wake up call. But I just think you always go with a stud franchise quarterback over a coach any day of the week. Well, Danny, I, I will ask you here real quick. Uh, what do you think about the way Carson's acted here? You know, and I get if you're a Carson fan, if you see something in him. But do you feel it's a, a, an issue with the leadership, the way he's acted? Because he's acted very unprofessionally. I do agree with that. Yes, I do agree. I think he's taken too many things personal. I think once the right, uh, the Hurts pick came in, I mean, I, that's a slap in the face to the guy. Especially, listen, anyone that gave, when you gave, when Carson signed that contract, especially after last year, no one really complained. They're like, all right, you know, he deserves the money. He took it to the playoffs. He, he, you don't like to serve with him staying healthy. But now the fact that you had an opportunity to get this guy a better player, like Dobbins, you know, even back when you go back to Goddard, you didn't need Goddard. You should have took Kamara. I just felt like they never, and, and that's not, Carson should keep his head out of them decisions, but I just think they they got to do better by him. And he has to be a better professional. I agree with that, too. Yeah. No, I got you, Danny. I appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rip your head off if you're a Carson guy. I'm, I'm, I think Danny made some, some good points there. I disagree with some of them, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
you know, Carson Wentz puts his, 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 you know, he has input in everything this organization does. And everything they do is with him in mind. And that doesn't happen anywhere else. Doesn't happen in Green Bay. It didn't happen in New England. I mean, they're talking about Tom Brady. And the Patriots aren't running it by... Do you think Tom Brady said, oh yeah, drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a great idea. Let's go ahead and do that. I can guarantee you knowing Tom Brady, that didn't happen. The Patriots drafted him, and Tom Brady reacted like, you know, a big boy would react, and said, okay, well, this dude's never going to see the field unless I'm suspended four games for deflating footballs. <laughs> and other than that, he, he's, he's not going to see the football field. You know, Carson Wentz crumbled when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And that is not a decision Carson should have input on. And I'm not defending the Eagles draft record. I mean, they've tried to address the weapons offensively. They didn't do a good job of the execution of it hasn't been great, but everything they do is with Carson in mind. And the Nick Sirianni hire only confirms and continues this, uh, this process and this train of the Eagles catering to Carson Wentz and coddling Carson every step of the way. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. John, Kevin, Ray, get all you guys when we get back. Also, give you a social media gripe. Uh, that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Monday morning. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, I have social media gripe for you here. I'm just looking at my Twitter. Wow, it's suggesting who to follow. I don't follow the High Hopes pod. I thought I did. Huh. Uh, I'll, uh, what do you think, Mike? Should I follow the High Hopes uh, the High Hopes pod? No, wait a minute. Why, why does a podcast need a Twitter feed? Then uh, that's a normal thing. That's mm. a normal. It's a normal. It's a normal thing. Just I would uh, just subscribe to the pod- podcast. You think highly of themselves. Yeah. So. Well, it's like you know, if if you want to follow the podcast, you subscribe to it and you get it that way, or you don't. Like you don't. You don't need yeah. to also see the tweets of it. I don't have a trash talk with TK feed. <laughs> By the way, that's where you can find my full show. We do podcast the shows. Uh, when Mike and I remember to podcast them, we podcast them. I forget a lot of the time. We, we're going to try to like, do that every day. Been like seventy five percent. You're lately. good. You're good, Mike. You're Thank you're you. you're 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 good at doing it. So, uh, yeah. But that's where you can find the show if uh, you miss any of it and you don't get a chance to listen. So uh, check it out. Trash talk with TK wherever you get your podcasts. Um, do, we'll we'll add there. But uh, my social media gripe for today. Um, First off, and we have a predictive gripe in a second here based on something Mike and I were talking about during the break, but uh, when people start a tweet with guys, like, you know, as they're, they're addressing their followers, like guys, comma, and then after that, they get to their actual tweet. I don't think we need the, the guys part of it. You know, whoever's following you knows you're talking to them. Uh, what do you think, Mike? You think that's kind of an unnecessary use of a few characters there? <laughs> no, it, it seems like, um, man, this reminds me of one of your previous gripes, but I can't think of what. Yeah, I I didn't know if I was doing this one before. Um, and then also, Tim Kelly and I were getting trolled by by a guy named Adam. Uh, and Adam, I mean, I, <laughs> Adam, if you're if you're there, I mean, you're welcome to call. Adam was very upset because he had. He was telling us that Aaron Rodgers is a choker, and Aaron Rodgers is a choker. And Tim and I are like, he's not, you know, because Tim and I had been having a conversation about Aaron Rodgers. And Adam jumped in, and he said, Aaron Rodgers choked. He's a choke artist. And Tim and I were just saying, like, no, he didn't have a great game, but Aaron Rodgers is not a choke artist. Like, you can look at the, the stats. You can look at the evidence. He is not a choke artist. And then we stopped, you know, engaging. And Adam... um, you know, it was like, oh, a typical of radio hosts, just not to respond. Tim had a great response just saying, I'm not a radio host. <laughs> and then I said, you know, he's welcome to call if he wants to, you know, call Aaron Rodgers a choker. So uh, that was uh, our social media gripe. And Mike, you had a, a predictive gripe because we were talking about when the Nick Sirianni press conference might be. And I said, you know, it, it can't be today because they're going to need to give the beat writers a heads up. But, but you think it could be today because of, of the Zoom nature of everything. I don't think the Eagles are just going to spring this on people here. I, I think even even like before the Zoom era, they could still kind of call this today. Like it's, I, I actually would be very surprised if it's not today. But we, we did uh, agree that the, the gripes that would come out, all the Eagles beat writers would be very upset if they did call it With today. short notice. Right, and would be complaining about the short notice. Oh, I had an appointment today. Right, a doctor's appointment I got to cancel. Dentist appointment I've had for 10 right. months. And like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think, what I think they're waiting on now is to finish rounding out the staff, and then they'll probably have a press conference. Well, you can, you know, maybe by like Thursday you can have the, the D coordinator, and then next week you have other guys, and... Like you don't you don't need to worry about the staff. The the main parts I think they want to fill in before they uh 
that they move forward with with a press conference. But um, and may, who knows? Maybe they're trying to iron out this quarterback situation before Nick Sirianni has to talk about it because uh, that's going to be a, a major um, a major point of the conversation. Yeah, it, like if you just look at uh, a couple weeks ago, though. Um, what they fired Doug around two o'clock, and then by four thirty, Jeff Lurie held a news conference. Yeah, but that was breaking news. You know, th- this is already news that has broken. So I-, I don't. The point is, the Zoom conference was executed just fine. Okay, all right. Well, you might be right. Time, time will tell. And if uh, if um, the press conference is today, I'll I'll give you a I'll give you a ba- I'll buy you a bagel tomorrow. How about that? Wow, we'll, we'll do that, Mike. All right. I'll pay you back on our bagel, our bagel gift. Thank you. Bet whatever. And by the way, my birthday's coming up. How about that? It's almost been a year. Year of so, the uh, pandemic. Yeah, so you're going to need to buy me my bagel uh, here uh, as you always get me my, my birthday bagel. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to John in Allentown. What's up, John? Hey, TJ. What's up, man? Hey, my media gripe is... Uh... Bottom line, they let just anybody be on it. That's my problem. <laughs> anybody that's on social media? Anybody can be on it that's an idiot. Yeah, that's true. They, they, I mean, they have they're... a place to point their, they put their idiotic point of view. They have a place to put it. You know what I mean? And I have to put up with it. Well, yeah, I mean, not well, not, every, not everybody these days. But most not everybody. People. Yeah. Just, uh, just about. Just yeah. about everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know, if I have to hear... One more person, or read one more person talking about, oh, they called different plays for Jalen Hurts. Of course they called different plays for Jalen Hurts because he's a different quarterback. (laughs) Right, right. And also, Carson Wentz refused to run a lot of those plays. So, of course, they're going to call different plays for a different quarterback. I mean, what, what, what are you watching all your life, have you been watching football? I mean, what is it? I can't stand these people that blame the coaches because the quarterback is horrible. Right, and, and John, and, you make a great point about like when people do talk about. Well, they ran, they didn't run these plays with Carson Wentz. Yeah, because Carson Wentz isn't capable of executing like a read option. It's not to right. his strength. So of course they're not going to call that for him. And he refuses to run those RPOs. I mean, it's it's. it's uh, a known fact that he refused to run the stuff that Nick Foles was running. Uh, and, you know, it's it, – and, and, and I have a problem with them basically going out and hand-picking a coach for this guy because you basically told your team that was all lobbying to keep the coach, you know, keep, keep uh, Peterson here, you know, F you, we're going to go this way. And then when all the people, all the coaches, I mean, all the players that were lobbying for Deuce, again, you gave them another big F you. Like they they alienated they alienated over half this team by keeping the quarterback and sending the coach and then keeping the you know picking a coach just to fix the quarterback making him feel like he's the most important thing on this team it, it's unreal no it is John and it's 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 ridiculous that they continue to go down this path and like you said like I don't know if Drew Staley would have been a good head coach. Just like I don't know if Nick Sirianni is going to be a good head coach, but players who were texting Jeffrey Lurie and making yes. their opinions known, like how do they feel when they know the right. one guy's opinion overrode everybody else's opinion? Everybody. That, that, and that's my point right there. 
they just went against everybody else who had a, an opinion the other way and said, nope, we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to find somebody for Carson. Your opinion doesn't matter. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and again, the people that say Aaron Rodgers is a choker, you know, I watched that game today. Aaron Rodgers was a blown defensive assignment from being in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that, no. That touchdown they gave up at the end of the first half, that should never happen. That was, a, you know, some kind of miracle that dropped out of the sky. You know, bad defensive, a, a blown defensive coverage, period. I mean, that was, that was the difference. And Aaron Rodgers would be in the Super Bowl right now. To compare those two and to say that he's a choker, I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous, Sean. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. When people say that, I don't give them any credibility. It's like you know, you don't really know football, as far as I'm concerned. When you say stuff like Aaron Rodgers is a choker, right? It's that just means a, they only watch one team, and that's the Eagles. Right? So. It's just you're not watching, and I appreciate the call, John. Thanks, man. And yeah, I mean that was that Kevin King had a terrible game. Man, he was brutal. That touchdown they gave up right before half, I couldn't believe it. I didn't think. Uh, you know, and we'll get to the the game later on. But Mike, did you think they were going deep there? I thought they were just going for a quick little, you know, out route to to get out of bounds and set up a field goal. I didn't think they were going deep, but you gotta you gotta play for that possibility. What was Green Bay doing there? Yeah, no, I agree. I I was expecting them to play for three. I thought they would have uh, been very happy getting three and viewing that as a gift. But you know. Aggressiveness, aggressiveness gets rewarded. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And we we will get more into the games later on, um, including Matt Lafleur's um, his his reasoning for kicking that field goal, which it's just I couldn't believe it when they were sending out the field goal unit there. I I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And we all knew they weren't getting the ball back going against going against Tom Brady. You're not getting the ball back there. Insane decision. Uh, so we'll get to that later on as well as the AFC uh, game as well. Let's go to Kevin and Trenton. What's up, Kevin? Yo, Tom. What's up, man? Yo, How's it going? Man, you, you, let me ask you a question. Who killed Carson Wentz? Because you sound like you're conducting an autopsy and a post-mortem thing and all this shit. But I, like I told you, producer, the body's still warm. I ain't giving up on the guy yet, man. I mean, I don't know how he lost his confidence. But what happened? Because that that seems to me to be the main issue. He lost his confidence somehow, man. I I don't know what happened. Well, he lost his confidence, and he lost his physical ability. But Kevin, you know, I I agree that he's lost his confidence, but I'd also argue that he's lost a lot of his physical physical ability. Like he he can't do the same things he used to be able to do. So you think that's a mental issue? I think it's both. I think it's a physical issue and a mental issue. He's just not a good. He's not the same player he used to be, and that's a shame. But that's the but reality. That was just three years ago. Three years is a long time, Kevin. But he uh, got us to the Super Bowl, and um, even though Kevin, he didn't play in the Super he did, Bowl, he did he not get. He did not. He did not get the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He got the Eagles to a spot where they could potentially get home field advantage. He was not the quarterback in the playoffs. He was not the okay. quarterback in the Super Bowl. And you know, a lot of guys have had good seasons. I mean, Carson Wentz, um, you know, had uh, the type of season that, that Donovan McNabb had several times for the Eagles. Okay, just one more question, um, man. Uh, how do you over overlook a Duke Staley, man? I mean, really, man. The guy was loyal to a fault, man. I, I mean. I don't understand it, man. You think race is the issue? I don't know what the heck to think about this, man. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, go ahead. I want to give the guy a chance, an opportunity at least. 
Yeah, no, I I hear you, and I would have hired Deuce, and I appreciate the call. I don't think I don't think race is an issue, even though I mean I don't understand how a that meathead Dan Campbell gets a job and Eric Bieniemy doesn't. Like uh, that, I think is just mind boggling. Like that that's absurd to me. Dan Campbell gets a six year deal, and he's talking about biting off kneecaps and coming from being a tight ends coach in New Orleans where God knows what he's doing, while Eric Bieniemy is in Kansas City, and he's, you know, in charge of, I believe, their red zone offense, which Kansas City's got as good a red zone offense as anybody in the NFL. He gets a job over Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I, I don't I don't get that. Uh, I know you're a big Dan Campbell guy, Mike. Go ahead and defend, no, just, defend your boy. What do you mean, God knows what he's doing? Like, what, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, like, he's running like a secret cartel? Like, what do, you, what do you think? He's coaching the tight ends. What do you think he's doing? Coaching the t- yeah, but I mean, he, this isn't a guy that has any, like, game plan uh, acumen down in, in New Orleans. It's not like he's... Maybe he does. It's not like he's giving Sean Payton bright ideas. I thought he was actually the assistant coach in addition to that. I thought he had the title of that. Uh, what, like assistant head coach or something? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and he's you know not for he has coached before. He's coached you know almost half a season. Yeah, he went like five and seven or something. Okay, as an you know, interim coach, you know he was competent. Yeah, he was. So he beat Chip. Congratulations! Like awesome, you beat Chip Kelly. Here. He, he brought in such a fierce toughness that it, you know, frankly, terrified Demarco Murray. Yeah, yeah, that was the game. Demarco Murray slid down. We'll we'll play the Campbell sound later on. I played it last night, and I'll play it again because it's just it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, but we have a lot of sound we need to get to, um, including in the three o'clock hour, some hot takes, legitimate hot takes from one Mike Lombardi. Back in the news, ripping another Eagles hire. So, so we'll get to that as well. Uh, Ray, Mike, see you guys there. Uh, we'll get you both in the next segment. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. Is, it, is Carson Wentz worth the Eagles doing everything to appease him? Is he worth making every decision with Carson put in front of the team? I say no. What do you say? 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. We'll get to um, Michael Lombardi in the next segment. Uh, he had some hot takes. This is Michael Lombardi's lane, just criticizing Eagles coaching hires. Um, where was, uh, I guess this was his podcast, the GM Shuffle podcast, I believe. Is that correct, Mike? That is correct. Okay. So we'll get to Lombardi in the next segment. Some clown named Mike Lombardi. And hopefully, you know, he, he's proven as wrong by Nick Sirianni as he is as he was by Doug Peterson. Uh, we shall see. Um, but I do think there are some points that Michael Lombardi makes that are pretty legitimate. So we'll get to that in the next segment. But right now, main topic of the show, is it worth it for the Eagles to put Carson Wentz above everybody else? To put him above all else in this organization? Because that's what's happening. That, you know, every decision is made with Carson as the priority. And I don't think it's worth it. We don't see any other organization do this. Patriots didn't do it when Brady was there. They did what was best for the team. Um, the Packers never did it with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers, did. do you know they never drafted a first-round wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? Never. Never done it. They drafted a first-round quarterback to take Aaron Rodgers' spot before drafting a first-round wide receiver. Other organizations don't do what the Eagles do, where the Eagles prioritize Carson over all else. And I don't know why they believe he is worth it based on what we've seen. Yep. Uh, the Steelers, I think, spent a top 50 pick on Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I mean, uh, other teams put the organization first. And uh, that's not an anti-Carson Wentz thing. That is a pro-Eagles thing, is you should prioritize the team ahead of the quarterback. I know it's a... It's a stunning idea, considering what, the way the Eagles operate. Um, but uh, this this kind of strategy of everything being about Carson, uh, I, I don't agree with it, and I don't think it's going to end well. Let's go to Ray in Moorestown. What's up, Ray? TK, how you doing to the season? What's up, Ray? How's it going? Oh, uh, man, listen, you know... <laughs> Tom, this is a sad state of affairs. You know, I've been in a, and you know this, we've been talking about Eagles and Philly sports and the like for, for years. Uh, 40 years I've been a fan of this football team. I can honestly say I've never been so ashamed to be an Eagles fan as I am right now. I, there's really nothing that Jeff Laurie is doing. At the, and at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. That's why I'm calling him out because these decisions end and begin with him. As the owner, I'm disgusted with what things that he's doing on the players' front, on the general manager front, on the coaching front. The fact that you have acquiesced to Carson Wentz for the last three seasons, really ever since the Super Bowl, they ran Nick Foles out of town because he couldn't, his psyche couldn't handle Nick being here. They went and put players around him that would help him succeed. The fact is, and Jack or whoever the call was a couple calls ago, listen, the fact is Carson just can't do it anymore. It's not about uh, people not liking Carson or whatever the situation is other than the locker room because we've had too many numerous reports that have come out that the guy's a diva. You know, I was a big Carson Wentz supporter, you know, as you may recall in the beginning when he first got here. But the fact is he can't do it, and that just happens sometimes. Don't talk about the Super Bowl, what happened uh, a few years ago. 
That was ages ago. Right. That and, was ages ago. And, that right. was yesterday. And Ray, it's that people don't it's that people don't want to admit, you know, what's right in front of them. I was a big Carson Wentz fan until this season, but I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and deny the fact that, that he was awful and that he was what you I thought to be it, the biggest problem with the team this year. Yeah. You can't deny it. And 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 for those that say, Oh, he had one bad no folks, guess what? Carson's been bad the last two seasons. I'd say he was average he was the last two seasons. Machine. No, he was. I mean, uh, the last uh, 2018, he was a turnover machine, fumbling the ball. Uh, last year, uh, 2019 season, uh, he, he was a turnover machine. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's not just one season. It, for the since the Super Bowl, since his injury, he has steadily declined. And to answer your question, not only is he not worth it, hell no, he's not worth it. And another thing is that Jeff Lurie is doing, and I think all of that is to cover up a mistake that they made. I said this on your show uh, before the uh, before they uh, signed him to the big contract. I said, let him work out that last season, see what he is, see if he recovers, and then if he comes out great and he's bounced back from the injury, roll up the Brinks truck for him. But they goofed. They made a huge monumental blunder by signing him to that huge contract that he didn't earn, and now you're stuck with it, and they don't want to do the right thing and move on. That That is just a a, a monumental error on, on Jeff Lurie's part. Rather than just to say, yes, we made a mistake, but we need to move on, they're going to sit there and ride or die with this guy. And he's, he's killed you, really. And he's broken up your team. You get rid of your coach because of him. And now you're not – and this is separate – but you're not giving Deuce Staley an opportunity. That's a completely different issue. But there's just something fundamentally wrong with Jeffrey Lurie's ownership at this point. You know, the guys own the team uh, for for the better part of 30 years, and you've made uh, you've won one championship, and you've been going back uh, backwards ever since you won the Super Bowl. You're talking about the third coach that this team is on in 10 years. That's something that Cleveland does that. Washington does that, you know, some of these other flashes and pan organizations do the Jets. That's not something that the Eagles are known for. Well, but we are starting to fall into that same sad category. I, I hear you, Ray, and I appreciate the call. And I think, uh, you know, the Eagles were fortunate for a long time to have Andy Reid here. Like, that's not the norm. Like, Andy Reid, that tenure, a guy being around for 14 years is not the norm. Um, three coaches in 10 years is a lot of turnover, though. It is. I mean, that's not, and, and I mean, it's less than 10 years. It's like, what, eight years at this point that you have uh, this kind of term. Four coaches in the last decade, That that's a lot of turnover, and that's a sign of instability. It is. No, but, okay, but the Browns have had eight in the last 10 years, so the Eagles right. don't deserve to be in the same sentence as the Browns. No, but not, not necessarily that organization, but four coaches in 10 years does speak to instability. Uh, you know, I think we can agree agree on that. Maybe we can't. Um, well, I just don't agree with you uh, excluding Pat Shermer. I don't think that's fair to him. <laughs> Pat Shermer does he? What the one game he coached a, yeah. a win, by the way, he, over the he, Giants. He outcoached McAdoo. That's right. That's right. In the in the uh, wait, McAdoo. No, McAdoo wasn't the coach then. Um, oh, it was Coughlin still. Yeah, because it was 2014, okay. and the Eagles were interviewing it was, McAdoo it was, it was in 16. 15, it was 15. Uh, yes, you're right. Oh, you're 15. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 15. But, so it was not McAdoo. I guess that was the last game under Tom Coughlin with the Giants. You're right. I mean, what an irrelevant conversation we are having. What, that last 30 seconds 
is a complete waste of everybody's time. The Pat Shermer, Tom Coughlin final game of the 2015 season. Um, <laughs> what what a waste! What a waste of, of of time that was. Yeah, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? Yeah, how's it going, Tom? What's going on, man? Yeah, I, I think uh, you guys at WIP. I think you uh, you jumped the gun on the dog uh, appreciation day. I think it should have been Monday uh, because watching those games on Sunday gave me uh, just an even greater appreciation for Doug Peterson. Yep, the level of cowardice and just. Talk, talk about clamming up in big moments. I mean, my goodness gracious. It was embarrassing, Mike, wasn't it? I mean, between LaFleur and, and McDermott, it was just, it was hideous. What were they two. doing? I have no idea. You know what it is? It, it, it's, it's fear. It's we're not going to get it and our season ends right then. So we're going to, instead of going for, the, going for it all right in that moment, they kind of want to ease into that pain. They're, they're afraid. Doug Peterson would have never kicked a field goal in those moments, ever. No, and, Mike, I just can't, like, I'm trying to put myself in Sean McDermott's shoes, and, like, he's going to look back on that game and regret it for the rest of his life. Like, he has worked his ass off his entire career to get to that moment. You're in a championship game, finally, as a head coach. You're going up against your mentor. This is your opportunity. You might never get back there again, and he's going to have to look back on that as I kick two field goals inside the 10-yard line. Like, like, I just... I just can't imagine how you can work your entire career to get to that moment and then coach so afraid. It's astonishing to me. Oh, my goodness. And then and I thought, like, in Green Bay, that was one of the worst calls I've ever oh seen my in my entire life. In my entire life. You have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're going to need to score a touchdown again anyway. Like, it, does, it didn't even make any sense. Like, But that, that just goes to show you, like, you know, not every – like. I'm going to tie this into Sirianni. Like, you never know what you're getting in a coach. And, you know, people might just assume that because Frank Reich worked under Doug and Sirianni worked under Reich that, you know, Sirianni is going to be aggressive too. We don't know. Like, Sirianni might be one of those people that, that punts from the 50-yard line on fourth and one. Like, you just never know what you're going to get in a coach. And that was one thing I really appreciate with Doug Peterson. One of the things that I think it's going to, is going to go underappreciated in the city was his aggressiveness. Absolutely. And you look at a guy like LaFleur, like, okay, he's a great offensive mind, good schemer, you know, is a good play caller, does all those things well, but you get to a big game in a big moment and he doesn't have the stones to make the call that he needs to make. And whatever yeah. you want to say about Doug and the strategy stuff that people <clears throat> disagreed with, Doug had guts and Doug had the stones to make those kind of picks, those kind of um you know, calls in those big moments and none bigger than the Super Bowl. If he kicks a field goal where he runs the Philly special, if he punts on fourth and one in the fourth quarter, the Eagles probably don't win that game. And you know what? I think you're right. <clears throat> I think the, Eagles, uh, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again. I'll tell you what, if they're, because I know the people out there that exist, like, you know, the people who root, you know, they, they allow their jealousy to, um, you know, uh, kind of control who they root for, you know, like I stopped being that way years ago. I don't, I don't root with, with jealousy in mind. You know, um, you know, in fact, if anything goes wrong, I get mad at my own teams rather than getting bitter at other teams. Like, you know, it's my own team's fault that are the ones that are not good enough. It's not, you know, the, the enemy. But um, if there's people out there that are rooting against Andy Reid out of jealousy, well, you're going to have a, a rough few years ahead of you because over the next five years, I could easily see him winning three more. How amazing is Andy, Mike? I mean, he is just uh, – and the talent he has assembled there, the – uh, culture he's put in place. I mean, that team, and with that quarterback, they could they could honestly win 
they could go on a Patriots-level type run over the next decade. They really could. I know, and without the cheating, which makes it even more impressive. Right. I'll right. tell you what, like, I, if, you know, actually, this is, you know, I'm actually kind of being a little bit facetious here, but only, only a little bit. If there's any time for the Eagles to rebuild and kind of suck, it's this time, because there's no way they're, they're competing with a team like the Chiefs. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, not to mention, obviously, the other teams in the NFC that, you know, as we've seen in the playoffs this year, they're, they're way behind. Like, it just goes to show you how far the Eagles are from competing. Like, I was thinking about it earlier, Tom. Sirianni might not even be here by the time the Eagles are, uh, you know, a playoff team. And when I say a playoff team, I mean, like, like a, a team that you think can actually make a legitimate deep playoff run. Like, of course, over the next few years, they might be able to kind of squeak out an NFC East win. This division's terrible. But I'm talking about, like, a legitimate run where they're, you know, like an 11-5 12 and 14 where you think oh this team could this team could go to a super bowl like by the time the eagles get back to that level again it's it's probably it's probable that Sirianni's not even going to be here anymore like most coaches don't last in the league for that long and i it just i'll tell you right now tom i would be stunned just based off of where the eagles are and obviously they have a full off season ahead of them but if you look at their cap situation they're going to have to cut some key veterans it's, it's just there's no avoiding it they're going to have to um quarterback situ- situations a mess uh, they're not exactly loaded with draft picks. Um, Harry Roseman's bad at drafting. I would be stunned if they win more than 12 games combined over the next two years. Stunned. Uh, I, I, I think that's – I don't agree with that, Mike. I, I think you look you look at the turnover in the NFL. I mean, it's very hard to predict. They are in a bad division. Well, I don't necessarily I'm think. Saying, I'm not saying they're, they're definitely not. I'm saying I would be shocked. In fact, again, very early – but I think right now, looking at the landscape, I think they're going to they, they could easily, I think they're going to be the worst team in football next year. I think they're going to be a three and thirteen team. Um, now the Lions, if they trade Stafford, they could be really bad too. So they'll be in the mix. If Joe Burrow doesn't make it back from his uh, his bad knee injury, uh, they'll be in the mix. But between like the Eagles, Lions, uh, Staffordless Lions, and the Bengals, like they're they're all going to be in the mix for some of the the, the worst uh, you know. You know, the worst records in football, and you just don't know. Like you're going to have a brand new coaching staff; they're going to have to get acclimated. Like we we have a really really rough few years coming up, and I, and I frankly I feel bad for Sirianni. I think it's unfair to him. He he's going to we're we're never going to know, and I don't think we're going to know in year one how good Sirianni is just because of the situation that he's in. I, I think the roster is bad. Um, he's going to be put in a really tough spot, and I, and I kind of feel that he's going to catch a lot of heat in this town if they don't get off to a good record, and it might not even mean he's a bad coach because of the roster that he's given in the situation that he's put in. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, Mike, and I appreciate yeah, it, man. Peter. Thanks. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I think that that's, that's a little uh, extreme. Like, I, I, we don't know what it's going to look like next year. I mean, Nick Sirianni could come in and, and do some good things and, and turn it around, and the NFL from year to year is so unpredictable. Like, like it really is. Um and I, I mean, I don't think the Eagles are going to be a Super Bowl contender by any means. But you know, a couple things go their way. Could they? Could they be in the mix for the division? Sure. I mean, this is a bad division. I don't think that's likely to change anytime soon. Like, I don't see Joe Judge making the Giants a juggernaut anytime soon. You know, I, I don't see uh, the Washington Football Team becoming some you know dominant force. I mean, they're going to have a good defense, but they still don't have a quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I guess they could get in the mix for Stafford. That actually might be not a bad landing spot uh, for him. Um, and it, it, Dallas has all their question marks with, with Dak. So, you know, I, I, I think it's just too early to know. Um, certainly the Eagles, there's the potential for them to be bad. But, 
you know, if Carson's as good as the Eagles think he is, then they should be a contender. And that's even more reason to move on. Like, if that is really where the Eagles are, and it's what I didn't get about what Jeffrey Lurie had to say when he talks about 2021, he kept saying this is a long-term thing. This is a rebuild. This is like, Okay, if it's a rebuild, what is the point of carrying a quarterback at this salary when you're looking to rebuild the team? Like, if that's the case, you might as well trade him, get what you can get, see if Jalen Hurts can play, and if your team's bad, and and if Jalen Hurts can't play, then you're likely going to be really bad, which is probably better than just being mediocre. Then you end up being in a position to get a franchise quarterback who you can have on a controlled rookie salary for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I don't get a lot of what this organization is doing, but I also think it's a little premature to just pronounce them as as being a bottom feeder the next couple of years. I, I just think it's too early to tell. Let's get Allen in here. What's up, Allen? Yo, Tom, how you doing? Not bad. What's happening? Uh, frankly, I uh, do agree with a lot of points that your last caller made. I'll end with that, okay? Uh-huh. But I'll start with your question. You know, why are the Eagles coddling or, you know, orienting everything towards Carson, right? Mm-hmm. They did it to themselves. He is, frankly, number one, in my opinion, not tradable, okay? If you disagree with me, that's okay. I do not think there's any team in the NFL with the fact that Deshaun Watson is going to be on the market that he could find a landing spot. And I think the Eagles know that. Stafford so Stafford have, as well, Alan. Stafford's going to get traded as well, they, they said. Yeah, and even if it's a trade with Stafford or what they said, a mutual parting of ways, whatever you have it, I think the Eagles know, and I agree with it, um, that they know that – no one is going to take Carson Wentz. He is their problem. Okay, that, That's my opinion. He is their problem. Uh, so everything is the downflow of that. To your last caller's point, I agree that I feel bad uh, with regard to Sirianni. Uh, to me, he looks like a stopgap coach, right? That's just to me. He looks like the company guy, first-time coach in the NFL, I think they hired him to weather the storm over the next couple of years. I do not think the Eagles are going to be good over the next two years. Uh, I, I agree that I don't think they're going to win more than 12 or 13 games over the next two years. I know that's not your opinion, though, correct? No, well, yeah, not combined. I think there, I mean, I certainly think there's a chance they could, you know, end up being an eight or nine win team. I mean, that's not, that's not an extremely high bar. I think their roster at this point is so bad that – so I thought they were going to be a bottom five team this year. Uh, you know, they were, what, bottom six or seven. I, I think their roster is so bereft of talent that when you watch today's games, right, you watch the Chiefs play, sure. right? Sure. Obviously. I mean, nobody's in their category, but yeah. No, I, no I, one's in their category. Yeah. I agree. I'm not trying to – you know, you know what I'm going. Yeah. But you saw how good the talent on their team was, top to bottom, yeah, in and out, both sides of the ball. And I'm not saying that's the bar that everybody has to get to. Like they're they're an extremely good team, right? They're a dynasty good team, right? Yeah, sure. But when you watch that game, I I bet you thought what I thought that man, I wish our team could play like that. That we that we are bereft of that type of talent. They have young, talented, skill players. They have heady 
veterans. They have, you know, staunch players, both sides of the ball, that, frankly, when you compare it to what the Eagles have, I don't think it even compares. And, again, to your point, so I went to Michigan, right, for college, okay? Yep. The Lions are allergic to winning as a company, as a franchise. As you probably know, they only have like one playoff victory. Since I mean, like they, they, they just hired Dan Campbell, so yeah. For six years. You yeah. six, is, that, is that not the funniest thing you've it's ever a, heard? It's insane. It's insane. Well, the funniest the, thing I've ever heard was his press conference, but the, the six-year deal was close. The, the biting of the kneecaps? Yeah. yeah. Like, like, okay, cool. You'll bite kneecaps, and like Brady, Rodgers, whatever, they'll just like throw 80-yard bombs. <laughs> right, and just, exactly. Like, yeah, smoke exactly. It. They smoke you right off the field, right? Is that not the silliest thing you've ever heard? It is. It, it was, it was uh, stupid. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I, I really do think the Eagles have a medium to even long-term talent for ref that is going to show in the win-loss column ongoing. And yeah. I think for the Eagles hiring, it, I, I think Sirianni is a stopgap. And by yeah. the way, let me, end with, let me end with this, if I may. All right. Okay, I, I, I think it's really not okay that Laurie, in his press conference two weeks ago, mm-hmm. mentioned Deuce Staley by name. Totally agree. Someone, totally agree, Alan. mentioned and, him yeah. by name. No, I, I got I to move yeah. on, Alan. I appreciate it. Thanks. I got to move on. But I agree. I mean, whether the Eagles hired Deuce or not, they strung him along. I mean, and for a guy that's been in this organization as long as Deuce Staley has and has given this organization as much as Deuce Staley has, to string him along with really no intention of hiring him. Because I do believe that at this point, where I don't think Jeffrey Lord really had any intention to hire Deuce Staley. And the way they treated him is a disgrace. It really is. To string him along this long into the process knowing they really had no intention to hire him unless they couldn't get anybody else that they liked. You know, they didn't interview Nick Sirianni till what, last Wednesday? He wasn't even on their radar, really? Uh, and it, it was weird the whole way that went down, where apparently he was in Florida, and, you know, all of a sudden the Eagles wanted to interview him. I guess, you know, uh, Frankie Lombardi must have given them a call, given them a recommendation, because apparently, you know, Frank Reich's opinion means more than anybody's. Uh, you know, and apparently Frank Reich is the genius behind everything, and Doug Peterson had nothing to do with it, even though they have identical uh, resumes, essentially, since uh, Frank Reich left, except the only difference is Doug actually had a chance to win the divisional playoff round game he was in, while Frankie Lombardi got blown out by Andy Reid in Kansas City a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, the the fact that the Eagles strung deuce along this, uh, a, a strung deuce um, along for this period of time is a disgrace. And Deuce now wants out of his contract, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to stay here either after that kind of disrespect. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, um, speaking of our boy Frankie Lombardi, well, Frank Frank Reich, I I can't because the the other guy we got to get to here is his last name is Lombardi, not the same Lombardi I was referring to, um, but Mike Lombardi, who you know obviously was made famous in this town by his controversial statements uh, calling Doug Peterson the least qualified coach to ever be hired, which that was a bad take by Mike. Um, Some clown named Mike Lombardi. But now Mike Lombardi has resurfaced, and he's got some hot takes about Nick Sirianni, uh, who still reminds me of a Sopranos character. I still feel like he should be sitting with the boys, 
having a having a meatball sub outside of Satrials. It's just a hot take. <laughs> but um, Mike Lombardi uh, had some comments about the Eagles' new hire. We'll, we'll get to uh, Mike's comments next, and some of the things he says um, I think make a lot of sense. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. Pretty jammed up on the phone so far tonight, but open lines now if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Main topic we've been talking about so far is, you know, is Carson Wentz worth it? Is he worth all of this? As the Eagles continue to cater, they continue to coddle, and that's all the Nick Sirianni hire is. And I don't know if he's going to be a good coach. I think he could. Hopefully he's a good coach. I don't know anything about the guy. I hope Nick Sirianni does a nice job. But the reason he was brought in here is because the Eagles think he is the one that can fix or somewhat repair Carson Wentz. And everything this organization does, everything they've done over the last three years has been what is best for Carson, not what's best for the Eagles. And when you prioritize one person above the rest of the team, that's normally not a good way to go. So Nick Sirianni could be a good coach. I don't know if he will be, but I know the process in going about selecting him was inherently flawed. When you were hiring a coach for the quarterback and not for the football team, that is not a sound way to do it. And that begs the question, like, what is it about Carson Wentz that he has this hold over Jeffrey Lurie. Like this this, this fascination that Jeffrey Lurie has with Carson Wentz. And I know the Eagles are paying him a lot of money, but, you know, cut your losses, get out of it after this year. So sure, they're going to be on the hook for the money this season, but you could get out of that deal. Um, you could get out of the remaining years if you move on. So I don't think this is just about money. This is about Carson. This is about Jeffrey Lurie and his belief and his just intoxication with getting Carson Wentz back to what he used to be. And Mike Lombardi talks about this in his podcast here. And he, he, Mike Lombardi, GM Shuffle podcast, uh, discussed it. And it all goes back to 2017. Everything, every decision the Eagles make goes back to that year. Every single thing that they do is looking backwards instead of looking ahead. And here is Mike Lombardi um, on the Franks or the, the Nick Sirianni hire and what it ultimately came down to. They are truly on a, on a on a nostalgia tour once again. They continue to do this. This is back to seventeen. Frank Wright, remember. When the Eagles hired Frank Wright to be their offensive coordinator, he had just been fired in San Diego. No one, and so was Seriani. No one thought those two guys were great coaches then. They come in, and after one year, there was a lot of talk. After that one year, there was a lot of talk about Frank Wright getting fired in Philly. Okay? And that didn't happen because they changed. And I do think what happened the first year was Doug was relying on everything he did at Kansas City. You know, I used to say this all the time. All Doug did was steal Kansas City plays and run him his first year. And then the second year, they changed, which led me to believe that Reich had more of an influence. But Peterson fought hard for Doug. Uh, Doug Peterson fought hard for Frank Reich to keep him after year one. And so it's interesting. This job clearly came from Frank Reich calling Jeffrey Lurie. Because Seriatis was on no one's radar. He's never called a play in the NFL. I mean, you know... You've never called a play. You've never been a head coach. You've never had a head coaching interview before. 
like like you've never even done that. Like this is going to be a challenge. And he's right. That's what it all comes down to. And it's what it all always comes down to with the Eagles. They're always looking back at 2017 and trying to recapture it because they see that as the pinnacle of the organization. And they see that as we need to get back to 2017. But the good organizations don't get better by going backward. They're always looking to evolve. Why have the Patriots been so good over the years? Because they're always one step ahead. They're always evolving. They're always looking to improve. They're not looking to do the same things that made them successful in the early 2000s. Why is Andy Reid such a great coach? And yes, I'll use the word great. All-time great coach. Because he's always evolving. The Andy Reid that coached the Eagles in the early 2000s was different than the Andy Reid that coached the Eagles in the mid-2000s, different than the Andy Reid that coached in 2010 when he evolved his offense, built around Michael Vick, and now it's on a whole nother level in Kansas City. This is the Eagles' problem, is they are not looking to evolve. They are looking to go backwards. They are looking to recapture something that I don't think he can recapture. With Carson Wentz. And it's why they go out and they just hire a guy who they believe the Eagles, right or wrong, they have bought into this idea that Frank Reich was the reason for that team's success in 2017. I don't believe that. I think that is disrespectful to Doug Peterson. And I think, especially when you watch what we watched on Sunday, and you watch Matt LaFleur and Sean McDermott coach as scared and cowardly as they did, Doug Peterson deserves a hell of a lot more credit than he gets. Because Doug Peterson had the stones to make those decisions, to go for those fourth downs, to go for a fourth down on the goal line instead of kicking a field goal before half and run a trick play to go for a fourth and one on that final drive where a lot of coaches would have punted the ball back. But the Eagles have bought in to this idea that Frank Reich, or like we like to call him on this show, Frankie Lombardi, you know, was the reason for that offensive success. Mike, what is the Frank Reich fascination? Like, is, is it not the most irritating thing in the world that the Eagles think, like, what is it? What is so special about Frank Reich? His resume in, in Indianapolis is not that impressive. He's got one playoff win in three years. First off, don't love me. I, I prefer Frank Walsh, like Frankie Walsh. Frankie Walsh. That's okay. mine. So Frankie Belichick, whatever. Just Well, well yeah. I, I go Walsh just because, like, that's the greatest offensive mind. And to you know Frank Walsh, right? Um, yeah, I don't. You know, it's it, they have a comfort level with him. Is what it came down to. They they just you know they think this is the um, what it comes out. They think is the easiest path to getting Carson Wentz back on track. And you know, they're that's their uh, their hope for. Be- you know, yeah. they view it as their best path to getting back to the playoffs, I guess. Yeah, it's, no, it's it's their objective all the time. Is they want to go back to 2017. There's no going back. Like, you need to evolve. You need to move forward. You need to get better. And you need to, you know, do things differently. The Patriots were always as good as they were because they were one step ahead. They were different every year. The Patriots, one year they'd be a pass-heavy team. They'd be explosive down the field. The next year they'd be dink and dunk underneath. Run the ball. I I, I know you're you're inching to get in there about your boy McDaniel's. <laughs> well, I was just you're setting yourself up. It's right. Great. No, yeah. no, I got you. I, well, McDaniel's isn't hired now, so um, you know he'll he'll be back in New England. We'll see what he does with another quarterback next year. But uh, it, it's what the good teams do is they're always looking to evolve. 
But the Eagles are so obsessed with 2017 because it makes them feel better about themselves. Is they look back at that year and it makes them feel smart. When all the evidence is, you know, they haven't built very good teams over the last decade. Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman. What happened in 2017 was a fluke. That's exactly what it was. And they go out and they hire Nick Sirianni because they're trying to get back to what they once were. When that is a bad way to go about it. And, you know, as far as Nick Sirianni now and the kind of power he will have, uh, Mike Lombardi uh, touched on that in his podcast as well, because this is another aspect of it. Here's um, uh, Lombardi on Sirianni's uh, power within the organization. For me, what it says very simply is this, that the Eagles value their organization's ability to help the head coach, not the head coach's ability to help the organization. So they're, they brought him in here to, fix, to help fix Carson Wentz, and they'll fix everything else. They hired a specific. He's a subcontractor. They hired him to fix something. And it's, it's, he walks into a very tough situation. He walks into a, a very, very tough market to win in. And he walks in with a team that's going to be challenging. And the general manager, Howie Roseman, you know, gets someone that he is not going to be threatening to him. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, Josh McDaniels is used to doing things his way. He wants to do it. And, you know, whether Howie could get along with them or not, that remains to be seen. But, they have an influence. Their analytical department will have an influence. Their personnel department, everybody will have. It's the sum of the organization has an influence with Nick Sirianni, not the head coach. That's what they want. That's the vision of how they see building a team, and they have every right to do that, right? They have every right to do that. I don't agree. And again, it comes back down to how he says, you know, they look at the coach as basically a byproduct of the organization. The Eagles have bought into the fact that Doug Peterson was a byproduct of them as an organization. And I don't believe that's true. I think Doug Peterson did a hell of a job coaching that team that year. Did Howie do a good job assembling the team? Sure. But Doug Peterson, let's not act like Doug didn't have a significant impact and do a great job. The head coach isn't just, you know, a, a figurehead who's made great by all the things around him. Just not true. I don't know. They put him in a great spot to succeed. I I, I think the organization helped Doug become a, a pretty good coach. Okay, but if that's true, did they not put him in a horrible position this past year? Yeah. You know, like, uh, and they look at it as the head coach will be good if if you know because we'll put him in good positions. But they haven't put him in good positions. Their salary cap's a mess. The roster's not good. Like, this is not a Doug Peterson problem. This is not just a, a, a singular problem here. And they think going out and getting Frank Reich's, um, you know, underling is going to come in and fix everything because, uh, you know, they're obsessed with fixing Carson Wentz and getting back to 2017. Um, and one more from Mike Lombardi, because Mike Lombardi, obviously, we know he has Patriots ties. And he thought... The Eagles should have gone in a different direction. Here's Mike Lombardi on who the Eagles should have hired. You put two of these people in the room, and you know Nick just doesn't have half the experience or half the intellect, offensively, defensively, kicking game, culture building, all that. Then Josh would have. I mean, it's this is it's not it's not even close. It's not debatable. I don't really give a what people think about Josh or he failed at Denver. Like it's not even close. Like it's not not even like they're two. Two separate entities, and I mean, I've talked to enough people in the league, in and around everything, that that clearly get clearly get that. And he's obviously talking about Josh McDaniels there. Now you got to understand Mike Lombardi. 
he is a Patriots guy. He's a, a Belichick guy. He's been in the New England organization. His son, I believe, is a coach there now. Um, so Mike's a little biased there. Um, I didn't want Josh McDaniels. I'm happy uh, that the Eagles didn't hire him. But Mike, I know you're a big McDaniels guy. How 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 uh, elated were you when you heard that clip? You sent that to me like immediately. Yeah. Uh, well, Friday I heard him on. Uh, you know, in the morning show, and he wasn't quite that. Uh, you know. Yeah, I listened to that interview. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, well, you can't curse on the morning show. You can curse on his podcast. That's true. Um, no, it just about like his McDaniel's passion. It just seemed um, he he went he was way more dug in. I guess as the weekend went on. Yeah, uh, and you know, fired up his boy Joshy. Uh, didn't get didn't get a job this time around, but there's always next year for Josh McDaniel's. I'm sure we'll have some interviews. Maybe he can back out of another job uh, after hiring an entire staff. Who knows? Um, <laughs> an entire staff now. It was. It was by like the way, did McDaniel's hire Sirianni, or was that a Reich hire? Uh, I think it was a Reich hire. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I was curious about that because I know McDaniels had hired the staff. Um, maybe he didn't hire an well, That's the point. He didn't hire the, a full staff. He hired, I think he Partially. talked to some guys. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, 215-592-9494. But um, as we heard there, and, and, you know, it's all about going back to 2017 and recapturing the Carson Wentz of 2017. And as long as the Eagles are looking backward and not looking ahead, they're going to have problems. And 2017 remains a problem with this organization. While it was great, it has clouded the Eagles' judgment. As that year has made Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, and everybody in that organization thinks they're a lot better at their jobs than they actually are. And they need to move past that, move past whatever genius they think Frank Reich brought to this organization, um, and whatever they believe Nick Sirianni's going to do. I, I mean... Uh, I I don't know. Um, I don't like this approach of bringing in a coach for one player as the head guy, as opposed to what's best for the team. But this fascination with 2017 um, is something that ultimately I think is holding the Eagles back. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Steve Tony C boat there. Get you guys right after the break. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. In the 4 o'clock hour, uh, we will uh, get deeper into our analysis of the uh, conference championship games as the great Andy Reid going back to another Super Bowl. Um, uh, back-to-back, I think Andy's going to go back-to-back, uh, win back-to-back rings, and I hope all the Andy haters out there are are crying tears today. I hope they're crying tears of sorrow as Big Red, our boy here on this show. Uh, Mike Angelina and I, we're both Andy Reid appreciators, proud, proud of it. I, I need one of those shirts. If we're doing another Andy Appreciation Day this year, I want one of those shirts this year. I never got one last year. Oh, Tom, you more than anyone at the, at the station deserve that shirt. I love Andy Reid. Love, love the man. Um, what he did for the city, what he's done uh, for Philadelphia, um, just just uh, tremendous stuff. And um, we'll get to some of Andy's comments after the game. Andy compared football to a profession. Which uh, did you did you listen to the clip that, that I put in? Mike? No, I want to be oh, surprised. Okay, good, good stuff. That's it's better that way. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll get to um, Sean McDermott and his excuse for coaching the game like a total uh, coward. <laughs> I almost used the word I'm not supposed to use there. Um, <laughs> word I want to use, uh, I can't. Uh, but coach like a coward. Both him and Matt Lafleur, uh, you know, coach like cowards on Sunday. So we'll get to that. We'll get to Lafleur's comments and also um, interesting comments from Aaron Rodgers after the game, uh, talking about the strategy of the Packers kicking that field goal and also his future um, and. Uh, some some vague comments from um, Aaron Rodgers on his future. Dark year. mystery. Yeah. So we'll get to that as well um, in the 4 o'clock hour. And before we get out of here tonight, I, I told Mike to remind me to play this. And it's one of our favorite things to do where we have certain people we like to revisit, uh, you know, every now and then. And one of them is Coach K. This guy is the biggest jerk in the history of, of jerks. The jerk store is is filled with coach. They're never running out of Coach K's. And Coach K did something to a student reporter, which was sickening. So we will get to that before the end of the show as well, because this guy is just the biggest jerk um, ever. I You know, I wonder if the tournament ends up getting canceled this year, how quick before it gets canceled that Coach K will pull out. They might not even make it this year, right? They're that bad? Are they that bad? Uh, no, they're like an eight nine seed. Okay, what a what a jerk! What a jerk he is. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, but asking whether Carson Wentz is worth all of this? Is he worth prioritizing above the team, which the Eagles are doing again? And this is the Nick Sirianni hire is a continuation of everything that we have seen: the coddling of Carson. And Carson is more important than everybody else. And the Eagles hired this guy to coach because he's best for one player, not what, not because he was best for the team. He might end up being a good coach, but the process was clearly flawed. Uh, let's go to Steve in South Philly. What's up, Steve? Hey, good morning, man. How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, first, I'm going to give you some thanks real quick for pointing something out. Um, I was literally... Like, and since the last couple of weeks when uh, everybody was roasting Doug for, oh, he's always going for it and going for it, and he always goes for it on fourth down and blah, blah, blah. Right. And in the last two weeks, 
they they damn near built another Andy Reid statue. Look, he went for it on fourth down. It's incredible. Have you ever seen it before? And then look at the dudes today that are getting roasted for not going for it. Uh, Steve. But it's the exact same thing. They used to be like, if that's Doug, they're like, Doug, why didn't you kick the field goal and take the points? I hate that. Steve, I always Doug. like the fact whether whether he caught an L or not is like, look, I got players. I'm going to trust my players. Go get some points. Doug would have, <laughs> Doug would have never ever done what what LaFleur or Sean McDermott did on Sunday. It was disgraceful. I mean, McDermott, why he thinks kicking field goals is going to beat that team, I don't know. And Matt LaFleur not going for that fourth down was one of the most mind-boggling decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, but I'm I'm just I'm I'm just, I'm still just baffled as to in this town and especially on this radio station. Right. Like why was it that Doug was getting grilled for going for those points of co- of course if you don't make it but i mean obviously a lot of times it's like we obviously like the person you're going to get a lot of credit for having the stones to go for it you know i'd rather him not have been a punk all that time but you know anyway back to your original question this whole uh babying carson thing it's just roasting my nerves because it's like what's the best that you can hope to get out of it like i remember when dallas was doing they had a term called Romo-centric. <laughs> so they were like, they were going to do everything, you know, that was going to make everything comfortable for Romo. How many rings did that dude get? None. Uh, none. none. And, <laughs> you and, know, and I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers right now. And, yeah, he's, he's a great player. But what scares me is a lot of the stuff that you used to hear about Aaron Rodgers is all the stuff that you hear about Carson now. And Carson is nowhere near as good as Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers has the same amount of rings as Nick Foles. Yeah, I mean, and Steve, I mean, and and you look at Green Bay, they've never catered to Aaron Rodgers the way the Eagles catered to Carson Wentz. They've never drafted him a first-round receiver. They have, they drafted a quarterback in the first round last year to succeed him. Um, And... You know, they have never empowered him to the level the Eagles have empowered Carson. I don't understand why, what he has done to earn this level of treatment. I just don't get it. And, and the only thing I can come up with is uh, Jeffrey has probably tested positive for the Jerry Jones virus, and it, we all need to quarantine. <laughs> He's slowly turning into Jerry Jones and just doing things from more from a – a, a, a wealthy person's standpoint than a winning person's standpoint. Because a lot of these organizations, I always have to remind myself that these people, you know, it's like as long as they invested this much in it, but it's worth this much now, they're still winning, whether they get a Lombardi or not. And, it's, it's <laughs> and you know, for fans and other people that don't actually have 50 cents invested into it money-wise, you know, we all look at it another way, but – Sometimes guys that are wealthy, you know, like you're a Jerry Jones, yeah, he hasn't. He, I'm sure he would love to have a Super Bowl and all that, but in the meantime, he's winning so much by losing, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. It's a yeah. whole mindset that I could never understand because I'm not a billionaire. No, I get you, Steven. I appreciate the call. I mean, I think Jeffrey Lurie wants to win. I just think he's misguided on him. And, and it all goes back to 2017, like, like we talked about. Jeffrey Lurie, right or wrong, believes with his entire heart, brain, whatever, that Carson Wentz is the guy we saw for 11 games in tw- or 13 games, whatever he played in 2017. 
That's what he believes Carson Wentz is. When the bulk of the evidence suggests he's actually what he's been in the other 50-plus games he's played, which is average to below average. You know, and, and Jeffrey Lurie can't get the 2017 season out of his head, and the Eagles can't get past that season. And it has clouded their judgment in terms of everything they do, um, in terms of Carson and in terms of building the roster. Let's go to Tony in North Philly. What's up, Tony? Hey, CK, how you doing? Not bad. What's up? Everything is okay. Um, I know I don't get a chance to call in, but, but it's a pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure talking um, to you. I want to talk about the Eagles draft. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a couple players that, that I have highly rated for each round. Is that okay? Uh, Yeah, sure. Okay, now, no, number six pick. You have three guys there. You got Devonta Smith. All right. You got um, Chase. You got uh, Jamar Chase, uh-huh. and you got Micah Parsons. So you narrow it down to three people, and depending on what your coordinators want, you can get Parsons if you want the beast on defense. If you want, the only problem I got with Jamar Chase is he sat out for the year, and people that generally sit out pull hamstrings and get hurt. Okay, so if it was up to me, and they was going for wide receiver. I would get the guy that's been active, and that's Devonta Smith. That would be my pick at number six. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'd be happy with Devonta Smith. I think there's certainly a possibility they trade down and get more picks, though, Tony. That's what I think they're probably well, going to do. Well, I don't want them messing this up, man. They, they Just go ahead and get the receiver. Many, you, You're never going to get an opportunity to get a game-breaker like this again. They already messed up on Justin Jefferson, so that's another story. Now, you go to the second round. Everybody talking about Dylan Moses. This guy got an ACL injury. You can't keep drafting injured people. I want either Nick Bolton or Chaz Surratt if you're going to pick at that spot. What do okay. you think about those two linebackers? Uh, I, I saw Surratt play I, I from North Carolina. I'm not yeah. sure. As well. I haven't done my research yet, Tony. So let's just well, do your I third round. And at, then we'll, I want you to we'll take move. a look at Nick Bolton from Missouri. Okay. Also, I want you – there's a linebacker at, at LSU who's much better. And I'm going to talk about um, Jacoby Stevens in a minute. But well, I'm talking about Damon Clark, number 25. I think he's a better linebacker than Dylan Moses. I don't know if he's coming out, but that would be my pick if he's there. There you go, Tony. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. And we'll get the rest of Tony's picks next time. We 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 got to hit the break here. But I, I got I to gotta do my draft research. I mean, Tony's got a couple players for each round. I didn't mean to cut him short there, but he's making me look – um, you know, like I'm ill prepared here. Did you write it down at least? Uh, I did not. I I don't have a pen. Um, hmm. so I do all my work on the computer. Uh, before I I, I start the show, but I, I I should be I should be better prepared. But Tony, call back. Maybe we should get Tony uh to be our draft expert. Maybe we can do that moving forward here. Uh, two one five five nine two nine four nine four two one five five nine two nine four nine four. John, when we get back, uh, wants to discuss um. Uh, uh, an Eagles lost. They've lost a front office member on Sunday, and uh, apparently John's upset about that. So we'll uh, hear from John next, and we will also talk about the AFC title game and the great Andy Reid going back to another Super Bowl, and I hope the Andy haters are very, very upset today. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
I didn't really sleep last night, um, but I didn't spend it with a trophy. Well, I did. I, I, spent, it with, I spent it with my trophy wife. How's that? <laughs> that? That clip will never get old. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham. That was Andy after winning the Super Bowl last year. And Mike and I both have the same read on that, where it's – it's great how Andy, you know, he's making a joke, obviously, about, you know, spending the night with his wife. But then the best part is all the media members just start cheering for him. Uh, I guess they're cheering for, for him spending spending the night with his wife. They're cheering for him having sex. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, it, it was. it's like a congrats on the sex type, yeah, you know, ex- moment. <laughs> yeah. It was just because it's like at first everybody's like uh, laughing and then all of a sudden one guy just is like, oh, yeah, and they all start clapping and cheering for him. Um, but what a moment. Uh, that was Andy after he wins his first Super Bowl and he will get another opportunity to exact revenge on Tom Brady. And that'll be the storyline probably uh, from 16 years ago as uh, the Chiefs meet the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55. Why is it a CBS Super Bowl this year? Uh, CBS, usually they do the rotation. I, I thought it was NBC. No, it's CBS. I don't know why they some, I guess it, I think it has to do with it being 55. So they get it. I don't, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, it's a CBS Super Bowl. Um, so it's, I'll be, try and get an answer on that. Your boy Nance will be on the call. Uh, football guy, Jim Nance, <laughs> as we know. Uh, seasoned pro gymnast right two one five five nine two nine four nine four we'll get to the afc championship game in a second and um uh some of the comments made sean mcdermott and andy after the game sean mcdermott's reasoning for why he was such a coward in that game kicking field goals um instead of uh going for for touchdowns in that game ultimately uh put the bills in a situation where they had no chance but first um, I see a caller on the line wants to talk about John Dorsey. And, you know, a lot was made a few weeks ago about the news breaking that John Dorsey had been working with the Eagles in a consultant role and that maybe this offseason he could be elevated to another role in the organization. And uh, those hopes were crushed on Sunday morning uh, as it was reported he is leaving. Here's Tom Pelissaro, NFL Network, uh, talking about not just John Dorsey, um, but Matt Stafford and what's going on in Detroit right now. Speaking of quarterbacks available, the Lions and Matthew Stafford have agreed to mutually part ways this offseason, and the Lions have already begun exploring trade options for their star quarterback. Now, Stafford expressed a desire for a fresh start in multiple meetings since the season ended, both before and after the Lions hired a new head coach and general manager. He's got two years and $43 million left on his contract, which is a bargain price even at age 32 for a guy who's still playing at a high level. Meanwhile, the Lions are adding former NFL GM John Dorsey as a senior personnel executive. He, of course, had a big hand in building that Chiefs juggernaut to see in the AFC title game today, Mike. So John Dorsey, who was working with the Eagles in a consultant role for at least a few months now um, and may have been all the way back to the draft. I'm not 100 percent sure if he was with the how long he was with the Eagles, but he is leaving. He's taken over the the. The reins in Detroit, and I mean that would certainly lead you to believe that this is a Howie Rosen production, uh, along with all those other uh, future GMs that that Jeffrey Lurie named a few weeks ago, Ian and Catherine and and um, uh, Liam, whatever these 
people's names were. He listed like six of them. All of them could be there. We have a lot of future general managers in this organization. Well, all right. Well, hopefully your your drafts are better. If you have all these talented people, why are you so bad at evaluating talent? Um, but uh, for anybody who was hoping John Dorsey was going to be elevated, take some power away from Howie Rosen. Uh, that certainly does not appear to be the case, will not be the case, as John Dorsey is leaving for Detroit. And we'll see what the Eagles do with their front office here. Um, but John Dorsey uh, leaving the Eagles after a short stint. Let's go to John Hazel and let's talk about that. What's up, John? TK, that, that's terrible news. I just read it. I didn't see it this morning. I was just going through my timeline on Facebook and I seen that. that that's horrible. I another Hallie Roseman draft. And I think you're right. I think they will trade down for extra picks and he'll, he'll mess all that up too. I mean, I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, the way the Eagles have dressed drafted the last few years, you certainly uh, can't be confident. I don't, hate the idea of trading down. I guess we got to get closer to the draft, see what's going to be available before we, we we know what the best course of action is. But I agree, John, that, that this is a loss. Like, I was hoping John Dorsey would get promoted, stay with the organization, and kind of take over the reins for the draft. I was disappointed as well uh, to see that he, that he is uh, moving on. I really, I, I was too. But could I, could I talk about something off topic really quickly? Yeah, sure. Tom, what are the Phillies doing? The Phillies, uh, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, they added a couple guys to the bullpen. They added Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado. Other than that, uh, not a whole lot. I'd assume they re-sign JT Real Muto and and don't do a whole lot else. I mean, real quick, they 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 look like a last place team. Yeah, they very well could be a last place team, John. I mean. Um, in a full 162-game season, if that's what they end up playing, who knows uh, what baseball's deal is going to end up being and how many games they'll play. But uh, you'd hope over that long of a sample size, they can at least be better than a team like the Marlins, maybe the, the Nationals. But, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a very good year uh, for the Again. Phillies. And I don't think the future outlook is, is very positive for them. I, I actually think the Eagles' outlook long-term is better than the Phillies. That's horrible. They haven't had a winning season since 2011, and it doesn't seem like there's any coming soon. Have a good one, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it, John. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating. The last season was extremely frustrating. The fact the Phillies didn't make the playoffs in a 60-game season with eight teams from the league making it is, is pathetic. It is. And I don't think it's going to get much better anytime soon. Mike, you're the baseball expert on this show. How do you feel about the off season so far. My takeaway this off season is, uh, I mean, obviously the Mets, they, the Mets now have the probably the best player in the division. With oh yeah, uh, I forgot they got Lindor. I and forgot then, about that. Have you seen how stacked the Nationals lineup is? No, no. What have they done? Uh, they they got brought, Josh Bell. I saw they brought Zim back the other day. Zim, yeah, and uh, Schwarber. Oh, they got Schwarbs. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, they well, got jo- nice. they got Josh Bell for like nothing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, the, the Phillies' outlook is terrible. And even that's why everybody yells, sign JT. Okay, you sign JT. What, what, you know, I, what is that necessarily going to do for you? Like, this, I, I would rather, and I've said it before, I'd rather let JT walk and spend that money elsewhere. Because, you know, Middleton, if the Eagles sign Real, or the, the Eagles, if the Phillies sign Real Muto, you know Middleton's not doing anything else. Well, no, I, I, I disagree. I, I don't think it's... 
I don't think the situation is either sign Real Muto or use the money elsewhere. I think it's either sign Real Muto or do nothing. Well, yeah, you could be right. Like I, I don't think they're going to use the money if they don't if they don't use it on him. So and, and what's going on? So Didi's just that's just not going to happen. Who's the shortstop next year? You're moving Gene back there, I guess. That's an option. Kingery I, at second. Well, I think Kingery w- would play short over Segura at this point. Um, yeah, I think he's a better fielder. So you'll have you, outfield. You'll have. Hazley, Harper, McCutcheon, and then infield of you know the same guys you always have, and yeah, you the still, same team as last year basically. But you you still you need that somebody. You need somebody to to bridge you to Hoskins till he's ready. Yeah, he's, right. He's I forgot off the, the Tommy John. Yeah. Right, I forgot he won't even be ready to start the year. Um, yeah, it's not looking good. It's not looking good uh, with the Phillies, and well, you know, it's, it's not looking bad either. I mean, they're going to bring back. What do you mean? It's not looking like, bad. Of course, it, it's looking bad. <laughs> no, like I mean, I I do think they are going to like continue to add to this team. I just think baseball's in this, you know, it's in this holding pattern. Like they're just waiting for everything. Like nothing's going to happen with, with Gregorius until maybe something happens with Simmons or uh, or Marcus Simeon. Like I don't know. I, I just think everything's in a gridlock. Well, I saw this is a positive report. Uh, the Phillies are expected to send scouts out to. Uh, Jakey's uh, throwing session in a few weeks, so um, hey, we could have another another year of a uh, skull cracking oh, or no. whatever he said. I didn't see that. Yeah, they're expected to send scouts out to look at Arietta when he throws in a couple weeks. How about that? That'd be exciting. Bring Jake Arietta back. Skull. Give him, give him what a, a one year, ten million dollar deal. <laughs> Spend more money on Arietta. Flush more of that money down the toilet. It'd be great. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, Philly's outlook uh, not looking too good, um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see if Manfred can get this season off the ground, uh, knowing his track record. Um, they'll, they'll probably end up playing another 60-game season for uh, whatever reason. Uh, let's go to Mark in Northeast Philly. What's up, Mark? I'm laughing at you guys with this Philly talk. It's, they didn't spend stupid money. The money they spent was stupid. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly right. About Arietta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Arietta, man, that's a way to sell tickets. I know they're not really selling them right now. <laughs> that's right. Man. You you're, uh, you don't want to go watch Jake Arrieta throw uh, eighty-seven mile per hour hanging sinkers, Mark. Only if the tickets came with a pack of hot dogs. You know, <laughs> right. if I bought the hot dogs and it came with a ticket, I might take a shot. There you know, yeah. like they used to do. <laughs> but I did want to give a call, man. This Andy Reid, uh, surprise, surprise, Big Red getting it done again. And I think they're going to take it to. I think they're going to take it to Tampa Bay. I really do. Uh, no doubt in my mind. I mean, there's people that are going to bet Tampa Bay, but I truly, truly do not see how that team's going to pull it out. You got Mahomes is playing like an animal. The guy is a, he's a stud, man. Yeah, Mark, Mark, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I have never seen a more talented quarterback than, and he just, what's amazing is unreal. he make, he makes it look so easy. Doesn't he? That's the scary part. And I'll give Andy Reid a lot of credit because listen, through his career, he's been able to draft, whether it's even just linesmen that last for years and years and years. Well, you know, you got to look at some of his drafts. It's it's just unreal. I'd love to have a guy like that. I mean, look, he got a little stale here, and and that's unfortunate. But the change of scenery did the guy justice, and he des- he's, he deserves it. And I give him a lot of credit. I mean, Belichick is known as the man, but this guy here, he's like the people's champ. You know, Belichick is just a straight up champ or whatever you want to call it. Right. Steph, but nobody likes. God him. bless Andy Reid. I right. love your guys' show, man. I appreciate you taking my call. Stay to it and. uh Go get them, Philly. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that game right now as as the Chiefs win. And I was surprised with how much of a blowout that game was. I I had picked the Chiefs, but I wasn't all that confident. I The Bills had been playing 
a better football recently than the Chiefs have. Um, I was worried about Mahomes, not just because the head injury, but because he really looked hobbled by that toe last week against against Cleveland. He looked a lot better on Sunday um, physically. He didn't run much, and that's kind of a misconception about Mahomes. He doesn't really run a lot. He buys time in the pocket, but he doesn't run for a lot of yardage. And they just did whatever they wanted to. I mean, they fall behind 9 nothing. McCall Hardman muffs a punt. Inside his own five was an absolute terrible play, set the Bills up um, for a touchdown early in the game, and Chiefs are down 9 nothing. And after that, they went on a 38-6 to run in which the Bills um, kicked two field goals. And, you know, it's part of the reason that game got out of hand is that Sean McDermott uh, coached this game so conservatively. And first, here's Sean McDermott just talking about uh, – what he can learn from this experience moving forward. We didn't get the result we wanted to tonight. Um, you know, give the credit where credit's due. They, they played a really, really good game. Um, we got a lot of speed. Um, so, uh, but this is a learning experience for us. Uh, that's how you have to have to have to look at it. Uh, we had a great season and came up a little bit short tonight. And uh, it's a great football team on the other side. Here. Now, I like Sean McDermott. Um, he, I think he's a very good coach. He's obviously done a great job in Buffalo. Local guy, was with the Eagles for a long time. This is going to be a game that he is going to regret for maybe the rest of his career. Like, And I think this is going to be a really tough pill for him to swallow. Like, Think if you're Sean McDermott, and, and you've worked your entire life to be a head coach in this league, and you finally get that opportunity. Now, you finally take this embattled franchise that has been – Curse for years to a championship game. You're going up against your mentor. And you coached the way he coached. And if you miss the game, he was just so conservative. Uh, Chiefs are up 21-9 to right before halftime. Uh, the Bills, I believe, were at the Kansas City four-yard line. Instead of going for it, on a fourth and three, Sean McDermott elects to kick a field goal. And honestly, I felt like right there, that was the game. Like, I, I felt like right there, taking the points, not going for the touchdown, uh, the game was over. I mean, we look back last year, and think about that Kansas City-Houston game, where the Chiefs were down 21 nothing, And this, this is a team that can score so quickly. And they're down 21 nothing, and it seems like everything's going wrong for the Chiefs. And that game turned when, on a fourth and one, Bill O'Brien decided to kick a field goal and go up 24-0 instead of go for it and really put your foot on the Chiefs' throats. Like, think about that. They were up 21-0 and kicking and not going for it in that situation was a mistake. The Bills are down 12. They kick before half, 21-12, um, and Sean McDermott takes the points. Coming out of half, Chiefs kick a field goal. They're up 24-12. Bills come back down, same position. They're at the eight-yard line, fourth and three again. And instead of going for it and going for the touchdown, he kicks the field goal again. And I just feel like this is a situation where Sean McDermott is going to look back at this game and think, you know, I worked so hard to get to this moment, and when I got there, I didn't go for it. You know, I didn't I didn't do the aggressive things necessary to bump my team in a situation to win that game. And, you know, it, it was really disappointing 
to see that. Here is Sean McDermott uh, on his reasoning for not going for it on those fourth downs. I thought about it on, in both occasions, really, and, and um, you know, maybe you know, if I had to go all over again, I would have went for maybe one of them. But the one before the half, for sure, I wanted to get points. We were having trouble coming up with points, and I wanted to at least come, you know, have something to show for it coming out of going into half, especially knowing they were getting the ball after half. And, and so, um, you know, I'll look back at that, and then I'll go back and reevaluate that, especially the one after half there. And, and uh, you know, again, as, a, as an entire team, we'll learn from this experience. And it's just proof. Like, you don't win in this league, and you especially don't win in the playoffs by being conservative. And I know lately everybody has kind of, you know, um, looked to take credit away from Doug Peterson over the last few years, whether it's the Eagles organization itself, who clearly values Frank Reich and his opinion over Doug. But Doug Peterson would have never done what Sean McDermott did. And when Doug Peterson got the opportunity at the highest level, he wasn't conservative. He was ultra-aggressive. And if if Doug Peterson treats Super Bowl 52 like Sean McDermott treated that AFC championship game, or like Matt LaFleur in the NFC game, which we'll get to that um, later this hour, because for what McDermott did, what LaFleur did was beyond ridiculous. But if Doug Peterson doesn't go for a fourth and one and run the Philly special, if he doesn't go for fourth and one on that final drive uh, where the Eagles convert to Zach Ertz and he punts there, the Eagles probably don't win that game. And I don't know how many times these type of things need to happen before coaches realize this isn't the 1980s. Like, running the ball and taking the points isn't going to win you games in the playoffs. Certainly not against the Kansas City Chiefs. You need to score, and you need to be ultra-aggressive at all times. And, um, you know, Sean McDermott really came up small when the moment was big. And now that sets up uh, the Chiefs and the Bucks. And we'll preview this game over the next couple weeks. Um... But here was Patrick Mahomes after the game uh, on facing uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Being able to go up against one of the one of the greatest, not the greatest quarterback of all time, in his 150th Super Bowl. I mean, it's going to be a great experience for me. It does seem like that, doesn't it? It really does seem like Brady's in the Super Bowl every single year. Uh, what was that stat earlier, Mike? That Ricky was saying that that Brady's been in 81 percent. That's obviously not true. That he's been in 81 percent of the Super Bowls. Maybe in the last 20 years, it feels like it. Yeah, I, I couldn't get out of him who he was trying to, you know, who he was making fun of, who that came from. I don't know. But yeah, yeah he said it came from somebody local. I, I don't know. This is his 10th Super Bowl. So it wouldn't be 81%, but uh, in the last 20 years, he's played in half of them. I think it might have been championship games. That's probably what it was about, was championship Well, games. he's probably been in what? 14 or 15 of them? Yeah, I mean, it feels like he's a championship game. It, it's odd a year when Tom Brady's not in a championship game. Yep. It, it's uh, it's it's just doesn't feel normal. And, um, you know, he, he goes over and he takes over a, a Tampa team that was 7-9 last year with basically same roster, same coaching staff. You, I know Antonio. What, just because they added, they added Antonio two, They Brown. added two Hall of Famers. Antonio Brown and who else? Rob Gronkowski. Oh, yo, Gronk, Gronk is like not the same player he used to be. Okay, but it's not the same roster. And, and we have some sound from Gronk later on. Gronk was like astonished. He doesn't understand how Zoom works, I, I don't believe. We'll play that in the last segment of the show. Um, but uh, 
They'll be uh, in the Super Bowl now, and it'll be the Mahomes-Brady rematch from that great AFC title game two years ago. And uh, we always, and I don't know how you can't be happy for Andy. Like, you got to be happy for Andy Reid. Mike Angelina, myself, we are two of the biggest Andy Reid appreciators at the statement, at the station. And I, I wear that title proudly as an Andy Reid appreciator. I am an Andy Reid appreciator, and I, there's nothing in the closet for me about that. I am an Andy Reid guy through and through. I am an nice. Andy man. Um, and Andy spoke after the game, and he had an inter- Andy's gotten philosophical in his time since leaving Philadelphia. Here was Andy Reid uh, comparing football uh, to a profession. We got room to get better. I mean, we we've, can improve. We had a couple of things that went a little haywacky today, but we, we stayed on course and we did a lot of good things. So we did more good things than bad things. But <clears throat> this is this job's a little bit like, uh, and I'm talking about players and coaches, like being a farmer. The work's never done. You can always work to get better and uh, as a uh, as a team. So that's what we're going to do here the next couple of weeks. We're playing a heck of a <clears throat> heck of a football team in the Buccaneers. He got a couple throat clears in there, just charming. And, you know, I love this new uh, post-Super Bowl Andy where he's just relaxed. Uh, he's the word haywacky. I don't think haywacky's a word. I've never heard that. Um, but he used the word haywacky. And then he said, hey, football's like like farming. There's always work to be done. Work's never done. The work is never done. Um, and the work's not done for Andy. And hopefully Andy gets his second Super Bowl title in a couple weeks. And hopefully the powers that be at the station – We'll we'll proclaim another Andy Reid Appreciation Day. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm happy for Andy going back to another Super Bowl, and I hope the Andy haters, yeah, as they say on Twitter, social media gripe, hate to see it. You just hate to see it, Mike. You know what um would be the worst outcome for a lot of fans? What's that? Would be if uh, Andy and the Chiefs win, and then post game. Tom Brady shakes Andy's hand. Yeah, yeah. Well, that will be the big story if the if Kansas City wins. Will Tom Brady shake Patrick Mahomes' hand? Well, that I'm one, guessing he will. That one we know he will. Right. But it'd, it'd be even better if he shakes Andy's hand. It is so funny though because there are going to be a lot of people. Oh, I can't root for Brady. I can't root for Andy Reid. He never ran the ball. He never ran the ball all that time in Philadelphia, Mike. He didn't ran the ball. He always threw it. Every down's a passing uh, down. Yeah. Um. But, uh, hey, I like both guys, so this is a perfect matchup for me. But I'll, I'll obviously uh, be rooting for Andy over, over Tom Brady. Uh, so uh, we'll preview that game over the next couple weeks. But congratulations to the great Andy Reid on his second consecutive AFC title. And I think uh, back-to-back Super Bowl championships for Big Red. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we have some awkward sound to play you. Um in regards to the Eagles and their new hire. That's all I'll say. We'll, we'll play this for you when we get back. Uh, as um, Nick Sirianni was officially welcomed to the Eagles organization, and it sounds you won't want to miss. So we'll play that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Fun show so far tonight. We still have some uh, things that we need to get to uh, before the end of the show, including Mike Garofalo's report um, on Carson Wentz. And we'll, we'll, we never got a chance to get to this more in detail tonight. We'll, we'll talk about it a little in the final segment, but we'll get to it more on the show tomorrow about Carson Wentz and where his status stands with the organization right now. Um, because... I mean, I don't know what Carson's issue would be at this point. I mean, he's gotten everything he wanted. He wanted the coach to get fired. Coach got fired. Uh, what's the problem? Like, uh, why hasn't Carson Wentz said anything? You know, because this is something that needs to happen. He needs to come out, and he needs to say something. And he needs to proclaim that he is ready to move forward. He is ready to move forward for the Philadelphia Eagles and move on. I mean, got the coach fired. They did what you wanted them to do. Um and if if that's what Carson Wentz wanted, he shouldn't have any issues now. So uh, we will get to Mike Garofalo's report on Carson Wentz uh, a little later on. Um, and we do got to go through the NFC Championship game in a, mi- uh, in a few minutes as well. But fun show, always a fun show when we are celebrating the accomplishments of Andy Reid. Uh, I would say, I would say best coach in the history of the city. Uh, would you agree with that, Mike? I mean, it's it, certainly in my lifetime. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I guess it's between him and Charlie and Doug. Um, but I would say, I would say Andy Reid, even though he didn't win the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, best coach in the history of Philadelphia in oh, over the last 30, 35 years. Okay. I was, well, Shiro, but yeah. yeah, over the last 30, 35 years, it, it's Andy and, um, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That fraud, that clown never won anything, uh, blitzing and, and running the ball, uh, you know the the Seth Joyner style of football. Uh, Seth didn't get the DC job. Two and fourteen though. Yeah, this the disappointing. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Brian and Ambler. What's up, Brian? Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Not much. I called because I listened to you talk about Andy Reid. He's a good coach, but his time managed his time management was always off. He has a quarterback. Now that's why he's winning. If it comes down to time management, he may have a problem. So I'm just saying that he hasn't had to go through those situations. That's one reason why he's winning this year. I mean, he won. Brian, he just, he won a Super Bowl last year as well. Right. Well, I understand that. And he has the quarterback to do that. He hasn't had to come down to the last few minutes of the game and the game's tight and he didn't, he didn't have to uh, figure out uh, should I stop the clock here or do this and do that. Yeah, so well, I mean, Bri- yeah, but Brian, he 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 had some issues in the past with clock management, but how about you just give him credit for the job he's done? He's done a great job. Well, I no, mean, I give him credit. He won the Super Bowl. I give him credit for that. But I'm just saying you're overpraising him. And when he was here in Philadelphia, that's why some people – like me, we have a problem with it because when he was here, he didn't. He did not. He should have won those games, and we did not win them. But you don't okay? think? But Brian, you can admit he was a great coach in Philadelphia, can you not? I, I, mean, I said he was a good. He was a good coach. He learned. I I, I would say he has learned some lessons. But uh, I'm still waiting to see if the game comes down to the last minutes of the game. What would happen? Well, the, he doesn't let, have this, to worry about that because he has the offense that's 
just like killing people. The Super Bowl last year, they were losing with seven minutes left in the game. They were they were losing by by eleven points, I believe. Well, he came back, but he didn't have the. You know, you know what I'm saying. When he at the last few minutes, when he you have to call the timeout, or he does he maybe he had people in his ear telling him what to do. I don't know, Brian. I don't know, Brian. It sounds like you're. It sounds like you're drinking that haterade. No, 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 no. And another thing, one more thing. Um, You and Mike, you guys, you guys. Well, more Mike, the guy comes on. He's always negative. Give the the new coach a chance. A lot of people said uh, Peterson wasn't going to be any good too. If I, if I remember correctly, you do. Oh, Peterson's not going to be. A, let the guy come in and see what he's going to do. Oh, we're going to be three and thirteen for the next ten years. Come on, man. No, I you got know? you, Brian. I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And yeah, a lot of people were saying that about Doug. And hey, I like. I'm not bashing Nick Sirianni. I think who knows? Nick Sirianni could be a good coach, but the way they got to hiring him was flawed. Like. They hired him for Carson Wentz. They didn't hire him because he was best for the Eagles. They hired him because they think he's best for Carson. That that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad coach, but it, it I I do think it means that the process was flawed, right? I was, you know, what were you were you I, wanted to get in on something? Well, I was taking a note of um how he said Andy finally has a quarterback, and your silence was pretty notable. Oh well, well I just you know. I didn't want to relitigate all that. I mean, we know we know how you know good of a quarterback five was. I won't say he was great. He wasn't great. Um, borderline HOFer, I'd say. Stop it. He's borderline. Stop he's it. you know probably on the wrong side of the border, but you know he's got Nari. I mean, he gets nominated every year to be on that you know list of fifty players or whatever, and he will be for years. He deserves consideration, of course. Of course, he does. For, for fifteen seconds, yeah. No, he's Donovan was a heck of a player. Stop selling, stop selling Donovan short, Mike. Why do you got to use a night like tonight to 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 stomp on Donovan's grave? What is that about? That's just that's disrespectful. That's wrong. You're doing what a lot of people are doing to Doug right now to Donovan. That's what you're doing. You're kicking a man when he's down. Okay. And Donovan McNabb was a very good quarterback here for a long time, and he deserves respect, just like Andy deserves respect. Um. But, Have a blessed evening. <laughs> there you go. Um, I love the one with good morning or good afternoon. Uh, you have that one there? Um, but uh, I got to get to this piece of sound here. Um, as Nick Sirianni is the new Eagles head coach. And we will hear from him at some point this week. Mike thinks it might be today. Uh, I think it'll be later in the week. But um, I came across this sound on social media. And I, I want people's thoughts on this phone call because it was kind of awkward, I thought, uh, as this is Jeffrey Lurie calling Nick Sirianni um, to welcome him to Philadelphia and to offer him the job as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to know if people pick up on the same thing that I picked up on as the funniest thing uh, from this call. Here was Jeffrey Lurie's call hiring Nick Sirianni.
The best thing about that is, without a doubt, Howie, and it's very distinctly Howie's voice yelling in the background, "Congratulations, Nick! Congratulations, man!" Um, but uh, Jeffrey Laurie's just awkward. That was an awkward phone call. It would have been funny if if he, you know, I guess they wouldn't have released it. But if he asked him, "Do you want to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles?" and if he said, "You know what? I've reconsidered. I'm going to stay with uh, I'm going to stay with my buddy Frank Reich in Indianapolis," um, you know, because I don't want to work with Carson Wentz. Would've that would have been funny. Pulled the Costanza. Could have, you know, uh, held out for less money, too. Yeah, yeah, he could have done that. Instead uh, of, you know, immediately taking it. But. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that was Jeffrey Lurie uh, calling to offer Nick Sirianni the Eagles head coaching job. Um, and not do Staley. And um, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, you know, the Eagles... Didn't need to hire Deuce Staley. Um, You know, that's not their responsibility. Their responsibility is to get the best football coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I think that would have been Deuce Staley. I think Deuce Staley was the right man for this job at this time. Um, Nick Sirianni is the guy they decided to go with, and that's their right. But the way the Eagles, you know, kind of strung Deuce along here, I thought was, was really distasteful. And it still bothers me. Um, it's going to bother me. And Deuce is now asked out of his contract. And um, uh, as the Eagles move forward, uh, you know, I I think whether it's publicly or privately, they owe Deuce an apology here for the way they strung him along in this process. No, wait a minute. How is he being strung along, though? Like, where is he? Because I don't think they had any intention on hiring him. Like, and that's just okay. my my take on it. I don't think they had any intention on hiring him, and they gave him a real indication that he had a chance to get the job. And I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong to do that to a guy who's been in your organization for as long as. I don't know. Just because they gave him an interview, that doesn't mean they gave him a, an indication he could get the job. Well, I mean, they get, he was interviewed twice. He's well, been interviewed in the past. Well, the, the second one may have been they were just like they wanted to tell him in person that like, maybe, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think. You know, if if you're not really considering him, which in the end, I don't think, I think it was kind of a final fallback option, which, I, first of all, I think Deuce mm-hmm. is a better coach than that. And I think Deuce um, will be a better coach than that down the line. And somebody's going to get a good coach in Deuce uh, because he has asked out of his contract, which which um, I, I respect him for doing. Um, but I, I just think he wasn't treated well throughout this process. And I think that's, that's wrong. I don't know. If they didn't interview him, though, then, like, they would also get... They would, you know, people give him a hard time for not interviewing him. Yeah, but I think uh, people appreciate honesty, and I think the Eagles were dishonest with Deuce, and that's just my read. Um, I could be wrong, but that that's at least the way I see it. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, two one five five nine two nine four nine four. When we get back, we got to address what happened in the NFC Championship game because I I went in on Sean McDermott earlier and and his decisions to be conservative. What he did was nowhere near as egregious as what Matt LaFleur did in Green Bay. And um, if I was a Packers fan, uh, I would be furious. We talk about Andy's playoff issues here. What Matt LaFleur did in Green Bay on Sunday, worse than anything Andy Reid did in Philadelphia in the postseason. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Big Daddy Graham. few more segments left if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. A few things get to in the last segment. As I discussed earlier, we'll get to this Mike Garofalo report on where Carson Wentz's status stands right now in regards to the Eagles organization. And I got to get to this. This Coach K is just the biggest jerk in the history of, of jerks. He really is. And what he did to this student reporter was just pathetic. Um, he really is. He really is a, 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 a sad, sad, sad figure. Coach K uh, thinks so highly of himself. So we'll get to that in the next segment. In a few minutes, we'll go through what happened in the NFC Championship game. As the Packers lost to the Buccaneers, uh, Tom Brady goes to the Super Bowl where he will take on Andy Reid. And I just don't know, uh, know how anybody cannot love Andy Reid in this city. I don't. Um, you know, if you don't Andy like Andy Reid and you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you're just unappreciative of the great years, the great seasons. I mean, we're talking about 14 years, the first 12 of them, tremendous football, a decade of great football, eight playoff appearances in 10 years, five conference championship games. Did it end with the Super Bowl championship? No. But Andy Reid did great things in this city. And Andy Reid, by the way, is the reason Doug Peterson was the head coach of this team. Um, And he's the reason Doug Peterson came to Philadelphia in 2017. And, um, you know, he deserves some level of credit for that suggestion as well. And you notice this time around, Andy didn't even suggest for his coaches to interview here. And I thought that was interesting, where both Andy Reid and Sean McDermott had coaches on their staffs who could have been candidates for this job. Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka. None of them interviewed for this job. And I think that tells you about how this organization is viewed now. After what was done to Doug Peterson, I think Andy and Sean McDermott told their coaches, you don't want to go there. After the way they just did Doug, after they just, you know, treated him the way they treated treated him after he did what he did for that city, and um, they were right to because the Eagles organization's a mess right now. Let's go to Mike and King of Prussia. What's up, Mike? Well, I guess you can label me as unappreciative because I'm at the point now, like, I just turned on the radio to get in the car this morning to go to the gym, and the first thing I hear is Andy Reid. And it's just, I had enough of it. Like, I get it. I get what the guy did. I was that was like my early twenties, like when he went through all this, and I remember everything. But I also remember a lot of screw ups and a lot of stupid things that he did, like making an O line coach the D coordinator. Yeah, I mean that bad, was at the that was at the very end. Drastic I mean, and a lot of like stupid stupid ways to to do games. That I'm at a point now where it's time to move on. And, like, I just don't want this week to be another, oh, my God, I really hope Andy Reid wins another Super Bowl. Like, I'm tired of it. Like, let the guy go. He's not our coach anymore. He hasn't been our coach. Like, I'm tired of hearing of him. Well, Mike, I mean, but you are unappreciative. I mean, you I'm don't. Fine, then. You, like, you don't. You don't. Great. The guy never got me a Super Bowl. I'm tired of it. And there's okay. a lot of drama in, in, like, in a lot of stupid play calling and a lot, of, a lot of dumb things that he did that, like, I don't need to revere him. Now that he's been gone for almost ten years, you like, didn't it, enjoy watching the Eagles those years, Mike. Like you didn't I have didn't fun enjoy watching the Eagles, Eagles blundering away a lot of NFC title games that they should. They were the favorites in, and they came up small because he refused to get good players or good receivers 
or have any talent on the field kept trying to throw the Jane Thrashes of the world down my throat as a, a, a quality receiver. No, I didn't enjoy that. It was that's not Andy Reid. That's Joe Banner, Mike. So no, look. no, Andy Reid was the GM as well. So no, he wasn't. He wasn't. Yes, though. he was. Andy no, Reed, he wasn't. Yeah, then you don't remember. Then you don't remember because he fought a power struggle against the GM that was originally there two years into his tenure, won it, and became the GM and was in there making making those was in on player personnel. So if you don't remember that, then then like. Then I don't know what to tell you. No, because- Mike, Joe, Joe Banner was, was running the show. He was. I mean, right. Joe Banner was the guy who was handling the salary cap. Joe Banner was the reason the Eagles didn't re-sign Jeremiah Trotter. Like, that was Joe Banner. I, I remember well, fine. I just, I, I, I'm just at the point now where I don't need to hear about Andy Reid anymore. Like, I, I, just, got you. I don't. All right. He's not my guy. All right. Well, I, I got you, Mike, and that, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. I appreciate the call. Well, we got we got it. It's somebody who's unappreciative of Andy Reid. Not not exactly uh, the the way I want to finish out the show here. Um, but you know, I just don't get it. I really don't understand it. And you know, I hope Spike does um, what needs to be done. And we have a second Andy Andy Reid Appreciation Day uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think everybody would like to see that. You'd like to see that, right, Mike? Of course, we'd 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 like to have another Andy Appreciation Day. Absolutely, want to wish him well again. Yeah, and we can, you know, uh, hopefully get hopefully Andy, Andy came on the air last year, right? For yeah. a few minutes with Ike. Andy came on the air, and then uh, Jason Kelsey wore the shirt on the field. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you got to root for Andy, and people got to be in a tough spot now. You root for Brady or you root for Andy? I like both of them, so. You know, I'll personally be rooting for Andy, but I know a lot of people that can't stand both of them, and it's got to be a rough decision for them. Got Shady on the other side, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How much Shady could get two straight Super Bowls without playing a snap? How amazing would that be? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to get to what happened in the NFC Championship game here. As I talked about McDermott earlier, and he, him being, you know, so conservative— kicking field goals instead of going for touchdowns. But what Matt LaFleur did in the NFC Championship game, we talk about Andy's coaching blunders. This was one of the biggest coaching just mistakes I've ever seen. Packers are down 31-23. Third and goal from the eight-yard line. Now, Aaron Rodgers scrambles out of the pocket. He, it looked like, could have ran to the end zone. Um, May have gotten tracked down from behind short. Who knows? But either way, you know, it, it would have been fourth and goal. Instead, it throws over in the middle of Devontae Adams incomplete. Matt LaFleur, with just over two minutes left, elects to kick the field goal to make an eight-point game a five-point game, which you still need a touchdown. Um, as was the most predictable outcome ever, the Buccaneers get a couple first downs, the Packers never see the ball again, and that's your season. But just... I can't believe that you can have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and do what Matt LaFleur did. And what's even more amazing is that Aaron Rodgers did not know this decision was coming, which for a quarterback in that spot, you must let him know the strategy there so that he can plan because that's going to affect how he handles third down. Where if, if, you know... if Aaron Rodgers knows to go for fourth down, he needs to get closer to the goal line. He's probably going to run that ball there. But here is Aaron Rodgers after the game on that decision. 
Aaron, did you agree with the decision to kick it there on fourth down? Well, I didn't have a decision on that one. Um, yeah, that wasn't my decision. But I understand the thinking above two minutes with uh, all of our timeouts. But, yeah, that wasn't my decision. I mean, you can tell there he, he, he didn't agree with it and he hated it. I mean, you have you have one play from the eight-yard line to get in the end zone. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Or you're going to kick it back to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and trust your defense? <laughs> it's just absurd. Here's Matt LaFleur on what his thinking was in that moment. Went into the decision to kick the field goal there on fourth and eight, and do you regret that in hindsight? Yeah, anytime it doesn't work out, you always regret it, right? But uh, it was just uh, the circumstances of having three shots and coming away with no yards um, and knowing that you not only need the touchdown, but you'd need the two-point. So the way I was looking at it was we essentially had four timeouts with the two-minute warning. And, you know, we, we knew we needed to get a stop. And I thought we were going to have a stop there at the end, but you know they, we got called for for the PI, um, and it didn't work out. So I think anytime something doesn't work out, do you regret it? Sure, but we're always going to be process driven here. And the way our defense was battling, the way our defense was playing, we felt like it was the right decision to do, and uh, it just didn't work out. I mean, I don't know what process is telling you that uh, trusting your defense against Tom Brady to get a stop is a better option than Aaron Rodgers with one play from the eight-yard line. Like, I don't know what process is is telling you that's the right move, but um, there's also the chance that could be Aaron Rodgers' last game in Green Bay. They just drafted a first-round quarterback last year, and um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know— Seemed to allude to that after the game. Here was Aaron Rodgers' post game on his future. So how do you go on from here? I mean, you kind of hit on some of the realities a minute ago. So how do you go on from here? How do you how do you take the next step? Yeah, but that's a good question. I, I don't know. I really don't. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns going into this off season now, and they just I'm gonna have to take some time away for sure, and and clear my head and just kind of see what's going on with everything. But it's, uh, it's pretty tough right now, especially thinking about the guys that may or may not be here next year. There's always change. That's the only constant in this business. It's really tough to get to this point. Really, really tough. Especially with it only being one bye week in the playoffs. It's a grind just to get to this point. And that makes the finality of it all kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. That's why it's a gutting feeling in your stomach. Yeah, and I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously emotional after that game. and Probably his last best chance to get back to a Super Bowl. And um, I was surprised the Packers lost that game. I I did not think that was going to happen. I thought maybe the Bills had a chance to beat KC the way they were playing, but um, what a a win for Tampa Bay. Brady was not good in the second half, but was tremendous in the first half. Um, And 
uh, you know, who knows? That could be Aaron Rodgers' last game in Green Bay. The odds are he'll be back. Um, uh, obviously, they want him back. Um, but, uh, you know, just drafting a quarterback, who knows? And if, if he was available, I would trade a few first-round picks for him. Even with the Eagles quarterback situation, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers I don't think would have any uh, any shortage of suitors this offseason if he became available. Uh, although I, I highly... I think it's highly unlikely that ends up happening. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, Matt, see you there. You'll be first right after the break. Matt's a Packers fan, and he wants to vent about the game. So we'll talk to Matt when we get back. And also we have uh, some sound we need to play for you uh, before we get out of here. That's coming up. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another segment. We do have some sound we got to play before we get out of here. Um, Matt is on the line. Matt's a Packers fan. So we'll get Matt in here before we play this Stephen A sound because Stephen A just uh, eviscerated uh, Matt LaFleur. Uh, and he, as he pronounced his name, LaFleur. 
um, in a, a rant about the Packers kicking that field goal. So we'll get to that in a second. We we also got to get to this Coach K sound that I teased about him, you know, embarrassing a student reporter. And Coach K is just the biggest jerk. And we, we, we always find these Coach K examples of him, uh, you know, being a jerk. And this was another one. Uh, we'll play that in a few minutes as well. Uh, let's go to Matt. What's up, Matt? Hey Tom, how's how you it going? Do- how you doing, man? How are you? Uh, how are you feeling today? I, I imagine well, not too good. I didn't get much sleep last night. Uh, you know, I-, I bleed green and gold, so this is this is a really tough one. I'm-, I'm scratching my head, trying to figure, still trying to figure out why you don't go for that fourth and goal. Uh, it's it's going to be bothering me for a while. Uh, my Matt Lafleur is just McCarthy 2.0 at this point. It was <laughs> in my mind, Matt. It was incredible. Like, what was going through your head when they sent out the field goal team? Because I mean, I, I honestly didn't even really have a rooting interest, and I was angry that he did that just to to take you know uh, that drama away from it. What was your feeling? Could you even believe it when they sent out the field goal team? Matt? Oh, I was livid. I was I was screaming at my television, Tom. Uh, it, it made no sense. Uh, why, why would you want to give the ball back to Tom Brady? It was just a real head-scratcher. I mean, there's a lot of things in that game that, like the officiating was inconsistent. That flag at the end that came super, super late. Yeah. Um, when a ball, and a ball I thought was uncatchable anyway. I agree, uh, Matt. I thought it was, I, it was clearly a hole, but I, I agree with you. I thought it was uncatchable. Yeah, and then there was some other the, – the interception that Rodgers threw, the guy was, was all over him. Uh, they should have thrown a flag at that point. But they had missed opportunities. Three, intercept, three interceptions from Brady didn't do a squat with it. Uh, you know, it was just – you know, I don't know. I mean, Rodgers, he deserves better. Um, if he goes somewhere else, I don't blame him. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was – it's just been really – it's been a really – it's going to be a really long day. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. what to say. No, I'm just I, distraught. I got you, Matt. I, I appreciate it, man. Well, thanks for checking in. I, I appreciate right. the call. Uh, tough day. Hey, man, if you're a Packers fan, that's that's got to be brutal. I guess if you're a Bills fan as well, even though it's probably a little easier to take when you get kind of blown out like that. I hope Glenn Glenn's doing okay today um, uh, as his Bills lost. But, man, if you're a Packers fan, to go out that way, to, to, not, to not go for it on that fourth down, I just can't. I can't believe it. And, um, you know, Matt talked about the officiating. You know, for a while, I had actually thought that was a, a – I, I liked the way they were officiating game the game because they were letting guys play. They weren't throwing flags, but there was a clear hold on the Bucks before the half, and uh, that turned into an interception, and then Brady hits the big touchdown down the field. That kind of changed the game right there. Um, and then that one at the end – what was your take on that final pass interference, Mike? Because it was clearly a hold by the letter of the law, but I thought that ball was uncatchable. I guess if he doesn't hold him, do you think it's it it appears more catchable than it was? Yeah, it. I think they had to call it. It was yeah. it was too much of um. It was late. Letter of the law. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Aikman was all over that. It was late. It was too late, but they got it right. Yeah, um, but. The, it all in the end, and I said at the time is I thought it was uncatchable. But once you kick that field goal, you deserve to lose, like you do. And and Matt Lafleur deserved to lose that game uh, because of that decision. And um, we always like checking in with Stephen A. Usually he's taking delight in the Cowboys' losses when we check in with Stephen A. But Stephen A. Uh, went on a rant uh, in terms of what Matt Lafleur did to close out that game. 
How do you not go for it on fourth and goal with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback? How? How do you not do that? Now, I ain't mad. I was going with Tampa all year long. I jumped off the bandwagon last week because Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. And I stand by that. It's cool. I ain't hurt by Tom Brady being in the Super Bowl. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. But it's how things happen. It's how things go down. They really, really, really get to you. Kevin King letting Scotty Miller get behind him with eight seconds left. Eight seconds left in the half. Everybody and their mother knows you keep them out of the end zone. And you sitting there looking at the quarterback instead of paying attention to the receiver. You're supposed to be guarded. But I let that go. I let that go. Because as ignorant and stupid as that was, I understand these things happen. But Matt LaFleur doesn't let Aaron Rodgers go for it on a fourth to go. Listen to those damn analytics, people. The analytics, the analytics numbers will tell you the story. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Give him the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. You know what I'm saying? I don't give a damn about their regular season record. I don't give a damn about, about Matt LeFleur taking them to back-to-back -to -back NFC Championship game. It don't mean a thing. It doesn't mean anything. What counts is you had a chance to go to the Super Bowl and you took the football out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers to rely on your suspect defense to prevent Tom Brady from getting a first down to run out the clock. That is Matt Fleur's LeFleur's legacy moving forward. Congratulations, Tom Brady. But I'm disgusted. Stephen A. is the Tom Brady of give and takes. He really is. He's just so incredible. Now, I don't think he rips analytics in there. I don't think that was an analytical decision. Like, I don't know what analytics would tell you to kick the field goal there. I don't know. I, I don't think that was an analytical decision, but I love the way he pronounces LaFleur. I really do. Uh, we, we should make that a, a drop on the show moving forward. But uh, Stephen A is just is just the best. And before we get out of here, as we wrap up the show, um, I need to play this this last piece of sound for you because um, we one of our favorite segments on the show is when we play just Coach K being a jerk. And he gives us plenty of material. And I saw this over the weekend as Duke lost another game. Duke stinks this year. Uh, as Mike said earlier, they're an eight or nine seed, which for them, that's underachieving. They're usually a top three seed, uh, unless they withdraw from the tournament an hour before the tournament's canceled. I mean, you know, because Coach K is so respectable, so respectable uh, that he's got to do what's best for the uh, student athletes because, you know, that's all he cares about. Um, not like he knew the tournament was getting canceled an hour later, uh, you know, so he had to get out in front of that one. Um, but uh, Coach K, as they lose a game, uh, the other night, and uh, this is a student reporter who, you know, trying to get his feet wet in the business, I guess, and and just you know, I, I'm, uh, is participating in the Zoom conference, and uh, he asked what I think is a pretty standard, innocuous question. Mike pointed it out to me earlier. It's the same exact question that was asked of Aaron Rodgers after the NFC Championship. Yeah, and we should point out too, like it was, 
you know, they lost in Louisville to Louisville. Like, it wasn't like they just, you know, blew like a 20-point lead in the Final Four. Like, it was a game they were expected to lose that they lost. Right. It wasn't that crushing. Right. Well, this kid, ask Coach K a a question here and just listen to this arrogant and just egotistical and disrespectful response from Coach K. Like, is that really necessary to embarrass the kid? Like, empathy. I I have no empathy for for Mike Krzyzewski, okay? Like, none. I I could care less about his feelings about anything. And that's a stand. Okay, how do you move forward? And he's got to be a jerk. He's got to embarrass the kid. He's the worst. He is the absolute worst. Um, And I I guess, I, I don't think Billy's in today, but I don't know how you can defend that. I mean, it's just terrible. Uh, he is he is such a jerk, and I, I can't stand Coach K. We'll see if he gives us any more material um, for our Coach K is a jerk segment, which I'm sure he will at some point in the near future. He just can't help himself. Uh, but that'll do it for the show today. Thank you to Mike Angelina for producing. I'll be back on tomorrow, um, and maybe we'll know when Nick Sirianni's going to speak. We'll have a press conference. I don't think it will be today. Uh, Mike and I have a bagel bet uh, on that one. So um, somebody will be eating a bagel tomorrow morning. Uh, We'll we'll see who it is. But uh, I do not think Nick Sirianni's press conference will be today. We'll see uh, how the staff continues to be filled out in the days ahead and whether Carson Wentz decides to say something at some point. Um, We'll uh, see how that goes as well. But thanks to Mike for producing. Next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.